raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the thickest double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, I'll start with a simple question. What did you think about last night? I mean, all the way around, across the board, your thoughts on last night? I would mentioned yesterday, too, that, and, and part of that, I'm sure, is on me. Because I am one of the, I guess few, I don't know if it's many, but I am one of the the few, I believe, out there that just wants to see this thing get going if it can get going quicker than what we thought this time last year. Or what you were willing to live with, what you were willing to be patient about this time last year. So I'm okay with that. I understand here that you don't want to derail what you're trying to do, right? And I'm sure that they have much more of a plan than they let us know about. And certainly uh, any type of plan that that we're unaware of, we're just I'm throwing darts at a dartboard here and hoping that that this thing is on a faster track. You know, most of the people suggest, well, maybe they will play for a play-in situation next year and then the year after. I wouldn't mind if it wasn't more than that. In fact, I don't mind if you place expectations on it with more than that. I think it's a tweener here. I think it's somewhere between... In this case, okay, well, that's reality-based, and, and maybe it's a bit of a pipe dream mixed in. Maybe it is too quick. I think that's what happens when you have to pay the price for, for so many years. And in this case, a couple of professional teams here that have been spinning its wheels. And in the case of the cold, spinning its wheels and then telling you that, hey, everything's going to be okay and this is what we're doing, and then setting the bar of expectations up for you only to see that come miserably as close to rock bottom as you can get if not hitting complete rock bottom. You know, at least a year ago, the Pacers said, hold on a minute. This is what it's going to be. It may take a minute. It may look bad. You may get frustrated, but hang with it because this is the path in which we're choosing to take. And this is how we're going to build it. I just like to think that maybe this is on a bit of a faster track than what others than what others understand. And I also I factor in others. We pay attention to it here. I mean, we hardcore pay attention. We watch every game. You guys work your asses off to try to watch it. If you've cut the cord and where is it? Or if you've got the cord and where is it? Or just where is it in general? Or you're listening. 
I mean, you're invested. We're invested. And everybody else just kind of swoops in for a moment and says, hey, this is where they're going to be in two years, and let's move on to a bigger market that has more of a nationwide interest. And last night I thought of it about this. I, I, I had talked about, you know, there being, you know, an oh, wow factor. And then yesterday, Jeremiah Johnson came on the show in the 4 o'clock hour and said, well, you know, the oh, wow may not be coming up later on tonight. This oh, wow may be as a part for the next three weeks, the next 15 days or so, to see what they can do. And it wasn't, I guess, so much the... You know, the the concrete getting something done that would have, you know, wowed us, right? But it was just the mentions. It just kind of seemed like last night, even the mentions and the rumors, there was really not anything there for anybody. It's like everybody was kind of sticking to a plan, I guess, which would stand to reason. It seems like everybody was doing that. Now, there was not a lot of rolling of the dice. If you look at the top of that draft last night, the most commonly brought up team where you would expect something like that to happen, something to occur, would be Portland because they have the dynamic superstar player who is maybe got one foot out the door depending upon how they approach this offseason and whether or not they can can do something out west or whether or not they they rebuild and then portland drafts scoot henderson and again brings up even more questions about that so there really wasn't that oh wow not only was there not the the oh wow with the pacers that we had talked about for weeks on end leading up i mean it was almost like a workman type of effort it was like okay this is what we're doing right here and again you know jess walker Ultimately, in number eight, was going to be at number seven. You know how that went down last night. Apparently, there's some leverage opportunities for the Pacers with the Washington Wizards. They get a couple of second rounders in the future. And then Washington climbs up there to get their guy. And then Jarris Walker was waiting in the on-deck circle coming up at number eight. I had said all along, that's, that's who I like. Because, again, I'm looking for this team to be hopefully on a faster track. I don't know if it is. I can't sit here and tell you that it is. I can just go back and see bits and pieces of things that have worked and things that can get you excited as a Pacer fan. And I I can talk to Tyrese Halliburton before the race, and you can just see because he's in front of me that when you're talking about his expectations, because he obviously is the leader of this team on the court, his expectations are kind of mirroring what I'm talking about. Didn't like sitting there watching everybody else play. You watch Miami play in the play-in and, in fact, losing the initial play-in game. And then just making some magic here or there, ultimately succumbing to Denver in the finals. But, man, what a run. And if you're somebody with any pride whatsoever with an organization that hasn't really been anywhere in a long time, you know, that, that will eat at you. That'll start talking to you, saying, you know what, why can't that be us? Why shouldn't that be us? So it's not just me sitting here saying, you know what, I'm getting old here. Can you go ahead and fire up this terrain a little bit quicker down the down the tracks so we can see some winning? It's the players, too. The players, too. And clearly, the Pacers do have options. They have options much beyond what they had last night. 
and maybe it's a situation to where they're going to look and see what they have, look and see where they are coming up prior to the trade deadline in February, and then then reevaluate. But I certainly would expect more coming up, more than we have seen in the past, uh, via free agency. You know, whether it's a trade or what have you. Last night across the board, it just kind of seemed like everything went much like we thought that first pick was going to go. Yeah, according to the booklet, according to what you've been told, that's what it felt like last night, didn't it? Now, we'll get into the broadcast in a minute. I mean, broadcast whatever. I mentioned this last night. The the two television broadcasts left a lot to be desired. I don't know how much of a choice that you had. You had on ABC somebody screaming and yelling about absolutely everything. And then you turn it over, and it's almost like it was the opposite end on ESPN. It was very, very boring. <laughs> very boring. It's almost like, well, it's nap time here and somebody's screaming at you there. I will say this, and it's not because I am a radio guy, although I have a great deal of respect, but the ESPN radio national broadcast and the coverage of the draft last night, if you listen to any of that, that was legit. They had Carlissimo and they had uh, Greenberg. I think Bobby Marks at times was a part of it as well. I mean, it was really good. And I don't know if that's because, well, it's it's radio and that's just kind of the dialogue that you expect. And TV, I mean, let's just face it now. I mean, you've got to be moving along. And especially with that draft, because most of the time you find yourself, don't you, scrolling to look up, okay, so is my favorite team drafting here? Do they trade this draft pick? Are they drafting for somebody else? Do they have the right hat on? What the hell's going on here? I mean, it doesn't have that feel at all as the NFL draft does. I mean, you're always, always guessing. I was talking to Tony Katz this morning, and I said, you know, you're, you're on and watching this on TV, but probably more so than anything else, you're you're scrolling to find out. And you had one, one vital information giver before every pick last night, and that was Shams. Because clearly, and you could, you'd say what you want about Adrian Wojnarowski suggesting that, you know, him – unveiling the picks before they're actually announced on TV that it really didn't benefit the broadcast that's that's one thing but you know what you you kind of you can't stuff that toothpaste back in the bottle and then what happens is you kind of turn over you kind of turn over to you know your competition and your competition is going to take that and run with it that's exactly what he did but all in all last night Here's what I maintain about the the two first-rounders. I like Jarris Walker. I like him because he mirrors my attitude and my hope for this team, whereas he's not somebody you're going to have to sit for a while. Now, listen, with Rick Carlisle, more than likely if you're a young player, at some point you're going to fall out of the rotation for a minute to be served a lesson, probably, I would guess, at some point. At some point, that's going to happen. That's what happens with a rookie, a young rookie in this case. But all the other factors that he has, and especially considering the needs of this Pacer team, that's the part that I got on board with. I mean, I look at him right now. I don't know if, you know, coming off a a summer NBA campaign that starts in, what, 10 days or so, 
I don't know, between that and, and what you're going to get in the preseason and in workouts and such, I don't know if he's going to be up for a lot of minutes you know, in the rotational category, but I do expect him to be in there. I don't know if he's better than anybody else that's already, at least right now, on this team around him. But he does have all the components that this team desired an upgrade in. And that upgrade may not take place this season in its entirety. But when you talk about him being able to score, being able to get to the basket, you talk about him being able to shoot the basketball or being a willing defender, which certainly they have not had. And then you look at him, and he looks like a dude that's good to go. He looks like a guy that is ready to go. And that, to me, is pretty cool. That's what I was looking for. Somebody that looked like they were ready to go, and we'll find out if he's going to be ready to go. And what he does with this team, once he's a part of the rotation... You know, whether it's, you know, coming off the bench at the beginning, whether it's a starter at the beginning, I kind of compared it to my expectations of Anthony Richardson. Yeah, he may not altogether be ready, but you want to know that he's able to be out there and there is no concern that he is not even nearly ready to be out there because that's off-putting. That's going to be off-putting in terms of the Colts. If we find that out coming up in September, that would be off-putting in terms of, you know, the would-be, could-be number seven, number eight overall selection in Jarris Walker. I just thought the Pacers got out of that, and clearly it was somebody that they had hard-targeted for a long time. They got out of that draft at position number eight, exactly what they were looking for and in the process addressed the needs. And again, I don't know if those needs will be satisfied immediately, but the first thing you have to do is address them. And that's what they did. Now, Ben Shepard, in the end of the first round, is a shooter from Belmont. Saw him a couple of different times against Indiana State, I think once during the regular season in the Mo Valley, and that was a loss for Indiana State, I should say. Actually, no, Belmont beat Indiana State in the regular season matchup and then lost to them in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And both of those games, I think Shepard had in the neighborhood of 18 and 19 in both of those games. He is a shooter. Uh, This team definitely needs shooters. And you're still kind of looking at somebody like Buddy Heald, and, and you believe what you think right now, that he's going to be a part of this, but longer term, you don't know if he's going to be a part of this. So can you build this guy as a shooter and become more complementary to the core of this team in that capacity? I don't know if you want to compare him to Duarte right now. I mean, Duarte's got two years on him. But you draft him as a shooter and hope that he continues to grow in that capacity. And clearly, coming out of high school in Georgia, that's what he had done in Belmont. I mean, he had he had grown from somebody, and we'll find out a little bit later on. I'll tell you what we're doing in the 4 o'clock hour in a minute. But he was somebody that you know obviously ends up at Belmont. I have a little bit of working knowledge because my friend Dylan Windler was drafted by the Cavaliers years ago out of Belmont, played at Belmont. And 
you're looking at this as somebody that can evolve into a need that all teams are going to have because you just simply can't have enough. But you also wonder about some of those names that I brought up and, you know, what their distant future is going to be here. You know, what's it going to look like for Buddy Heald? What's it going to look like for Chris Duarte? So, to me, I I didn't find an issue with those two selections at all. And then the way that you look at it further down the road, because what, you got one available spot? As of right now, I believe, roster-wise, I don't know what more you could really do. I mean, you've got to do some two ways here and, you know, draft some guys that may pop and and maybe they don't pop. And then you're going to have to go to work and do some more roster maintenance coming up in the offseason. That's why I think, and that's why I thought Jeremiah Johnson said yesterday that if you were looking for a little bit of more of an oh, wow, that oh, wow is probably coming in the next 15 days. And I kind of set the stage yesterday. We were talking about it, and oh, I can't wait, and hey, this is a time. And we're all dealing with these heavy levels of hyperbole. And then, man, I sat in here yesterday, and I go, hey, I just want to to be aware that this thing may, may not go with all the saucy and the juiciness in which I and others have explained it to be for the past couple of weeks, if not more. And, you know, last night, it was it was almost like it was scripted last night. It was like, oh, and, and for everybody, everybody's trying to do what everybody had planned out. There wasn't really any surprises whatsoever. I guess the surprise came, you know, prior to the start of the day with what Golden State did with Jordan Poole and bringing in Chris Paul. But that was a far from far from a surprise last night. It just looked like that it was going according to a script. Just not a lot of, oh, wow. You know, and in turn to, in this case, not a lot of reasons to shake your fist and get mad. Did you think i to think about, all right, so where does this team is right now? What are they thinking about doing? How did they address some needs in that first round? And they address needs, and now it's up to those that are going to address those needs via selection to be a part of this thing. And that is the expectation. And my expectation with Walker at number eight overall, certainly much higher than that of Shepard. But you look at the Pacers and what they did, it does at the very least make sense. Whether you like it or not. And something else that made sense, and I am incredibly glad this happened. And I know everybody out there, we were all staying up and watching until the end of the draft. I'm assuming we were. I know I was. uh, To see if somebody was going to select Trace. And ultimately, Golden State traded back in and picked him. And then obviously, every IU fan out there, for the most part, was mad. I can't believe the Pacers passed him up half a dozen times. What are you guys thinking? And let's face it. There is, on this team right now, the way that it looks, and maybe it pans out that they missed on an opportunity, maybe they don't. But as it looks roster-wise right now, there is no room for him. And if you were an IU fan, and and you were like me, or let's just say this, if you were an IU fan, or you are like me that just liked the kid in general, 
I've always liked the kid. I've always rooted for the kid. I've always wanted the kid to do well. I mean, he's just a good dude. Love the personality. And you do see the skill set. You've watched him mature and grow. As we've talked about in the past, especially with Don Fisher, about the maturation that evolved into a team leader that a lot of us thought maybe you would never see out of him. I think ultimately what you want as UIU fans would be the best situation possible for him. And let me tell you, compared to the other ones out there, that is fantastic. Just think about that for a moment. I mean, think about Mike Dunleavy Jr. suggesting that we do have a roster spot for him. And now you have Trace Jackson Davis going out to Golden State with a wealth, and I mean an absolute arsenal of motivation. I'm not suggesting he didn't already have it, but if he didn't already feel as if he had it, he's definitely got it now. Just an arsenal of motivation. And he's going to a team that is ready to win. It's win or bust. That's the way it is in Golden State. And he is going to get some clock off the bench. He just will. Again, I don't know in what capacity. I don't know what the expectation is whatsoever. But he's going to run. He's going to sprint up and down the floor. He's going to try to play a little bit of defense. Going to run to the rim, maybe catch a lob. And other teams defensively when he's out there, especially if he's out there with some of these guys like Steph Curry, if he's out there in a rotation with Clay Thompson or Wiggins or anybody, they're going to look past him. They're not going to worry about him. And he's going to be able to go and get him. He's going to be able to evolve as a player and be able to get those minutes on the floor. And then in the process, in year number one, he may have a high level of team success. What is not to like about that? That's as good a situation as you could have asked for. If you were watching the way that that second round went last night, because believe me, everybody was thinking the worst. That's as good as you could ask for. I mean, everything has been on his shoulders forever. And now you get everything off your shoulders. You go out to Golden State, and you just get to go out there. And I'm assuming play, and I know that it's much more difficult than I make it seem in explaining it, but you get to play with a collective freedom that you probably never had. If you don't go 21-11 your ass is going to get beat. Now you just go out there. You run from rim to rim. Do some little things. You know, cultivate what had grown for you at IU, whether it's, you know, the passing. Second chance kickout opportunities to guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson off the offensive glass. I mean, all this stuff that can lead you to have more minutes rotationally speaking, on a team that, again, is all in or bust. Uh, These guys are going to be here about 345, by the way, now. I think they're ahead of schedule from what I just was told. I I loved it last night. I loved it. Because it wasn't looking like it was going to end very well, and then ultimately it ended very well. For Trace. 
could not have ended better given the circumstances. And I know everybody wants to joke and hey, he's a G League player. He's going to be overseas. I mean, I got a lot of numb nuts saying that. You know, all these numb nuts don't realize the type of numbers that he put up in four years at IU. It's just a level of dumbassery. And then you just don't realize the situation that he is now in and how much better it is than it could have been. So be it. Jalen hood Shafino gets drafted in the first round, I think 17 overall, right? By the L.A. Lakers. We'll go over that coming up a little bit later on. Dustin DePurak of the Stars is going to join me coming up at the bottom of the hour. And in studio, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard. In studio. The two first-rounders of the Pacers in studio with me coming up here. I thought it was going to be in the 4 o'clock hour, but we'll go ahead and move that up a little bit. Around about 3.45 or so with the two Pacer first-rounders in studio. And if you want to check it out, Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, you can certainly do that, too. Friend of the show, Mike Wells, at the 5 o'clock hour, and your reaction to last night, your reaction to what has been said so far. And I got more for you coming up, too. By the way, two sellouts at Great American Ballpark. I don't even know if I want to mention it. Guys, got JR just said the Reds get swept. By the Braves this weekend, Schlepprock. I don't even know if I want to mention it. Sold out tonight and tomorrow. Go get them. Jess Walker, Ben Shepard in studio coming up here later on in this 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Mike Wells at the 5 o'clock hour. Tickets to give away. And we got Dustin DePurek of the Star coming up at the bottom of the hour. Your reaction to last night's draft, the way the Pacers did it, the way that it was presented television-wise and more at 239-1070. Email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, the draft last night left a little bit to be desired because you go to one channel, ABC, there was a lot of screaming and yelling. You go to ESPN, and it was like nap-worthy at times. ESPN Radio had that thing pegged, though. That was a good time last night. I liked listening to the ESPN Radio coverage. Jess Walker, Ben Shepard, those are your first-round picks by the Pacers. They will join us in studio coming up in about 15 minutes. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Indianapolis Star, he covers the Pacers. Dustin DePurak is with us. Anything uh, out of the ordinary happened during that introductory press conference you were covering a little a little bit ago downtown? Yeah, no, not really. Everything went uh, pretty much according to plan, I guess. 
Yes, and I think I guess if there's one thing that was slightly different, uh, they they put Chad Buchanan out front uh, for this one. I don't think that was for any other reason than to you know get Chad in front of some cameras as opposed to Kevin Pritchard. Um, so I think that's all that was. But uh, otherwise, yeah, everything was pretty much normal. I think it was it was uh, it was cool to watch. You know, the families and everything. Jarius Walker brought uh, you know his parents, his sisters. Uh, they seem to be having a blast. Obviously, you know, big uh, big day for you know the whole family of these guys. Obviously, to be breaking in the NBA, you know, big deal for Jarius. Obviously, had a sense he was going to be a lottery pick and also Ben Shepard probably didn't you know certainly not a couple months ago didn't think he was going to be a first round pick so you know uh, obviously a big exciting day for both of those guys. Jess Walker we knew right Uh, and again Mm Shepard we we did not how surprising was that to you and I just kind of explained it this way I guess ultimately we don't know what's going to happen but at least the tact or the path in which the Pacers took I thought you could get with because they tried mm-hmm. to address some certain needs with both of those selections last night in round one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think Walker, you, you seem to be, it seemed to be heading that direction. I thought just for a while that there were four possibilities. It was either him, Osar Thompson, Taylor Hendricks, uh, or Cam Whitmore. Obviously, Whitmore really slipped all the way to 20, but it seemed like those are the guys they were interested in. And there was certainly a possibility that, that somebody else could have taken them, especially the Pistons. I thought they would have some interest uh, in Walker. Obviously, they ended up going with Osar Thompson and kind of opening him up. Um, but yeah, no, clearly in, in both cases, um, you know, fits and needs. With Shepard, I, I was wasn't totally shocked, but but he was just one of just so many guys that they were really looking at. It was somewhere from between a two and a four, somewhere between six five and six seven, with some length and could defend multiple positions. It was clearly that's what they were really targeting there. It was kind of a glue guy type, you know, somebody they could shoot, somebody they could defend, um, and and they were they had all kinds of guys that they were interested in there. So I was a little bit surprised it was Shepard, but not really. I mean, I could tell that, that they were fans. I knew obviously he had a really great combine, really opened a lot of eyes there. Uh, seemed from what we heard to have a pretty good workout. We don't get a huge amount of detail there, but, but Rick Carlisle really went all out to say just how good of, of a workout he had, how much he was really all over the place. Really, the hustle was what stood out to him. He just talked about a loose ball that he chased down and you know just went and saved it, got another rebound and everything like that. I think that really stood out to him that he was really a guy that could hustle and defend, but also you know they really wanted somebody at that spot uh, that could shoot the basketball because they were looking for some depth there. But it, it, you know clearly uh, they, they, they checked a lot of boxes uh, with both of those guys and then clearly had some things they were specifically looking for, specific skills, and got those things. It's uh, Dustin DePierak of the Star was at the press conference a little bit earlier. Round number one, the Pacers, it was Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, those selections. And uh, kind enough to join us right now is uh, Dustin DePierak on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did you think maybe in Shepard's spot it could have been a little bit different? Is that maybe what you were thinking we were all thinking walker don't get me wrong at seven mm-hmm. and then ultimately at eight where they got him mm-hmm. but were you thinking shepherd where they ultimately picked ben shepherd i i believe 20 names honestly um uh, there there were that, i mean obviously they brought in 62 guys um you know for for draft workouts um and man i mean it was obviously we were sort of scattered because we went from obviously them taking walker i think we just i think we just finished up a zoom call with him not long before uh they made the 26 pick if i'm not mistaken so we were still you know sort of all over the place and trying to sort of catch up with what just happened and i was even just got a sense okay who's off the board now <laughs> you know who, who can they take who can they 
they still take you know uh, so I was I, I again I, there was a whole bunch of names I would have uh, would have believed I would have believed Andre Jackson I would have believed Ryan Rupert um, I would have believed I mean obviously Max, Maxson's prosper was off the list that was the guy I think well they, they said Rupert uh, his his representation told everybody that don't pick him because he's going to Portland I believe right is that what uh, was said last night I, I believe did, I didn't see that that I did, I mean I didn't know that could be the case but I mean like they're this, again just based on what they were looking for it, again just somebody in that mold I would have believed 10 or 15 names so I mean I wasn't really surprised I mean I think uh, you know Wojnarowski tweeted out I think that, that it was a mid-major riser and I think somebody next to me Evan Sedari said that maybe Ben Shepard and was like well that actually makes a lot of sense that would be the guy there um, so you know again they, they were after so many of those type of wings you know bigger wings in that 6'5 to 6'8 range long-armed guys quick that could shoot there was just a list of them they brought so many of them in and it was nobody that stood out really more than anybody else used but, but guys that you saw in mock drafts that were anywhere between 25 and 40 and there was a whole list of those guys so i'd have believed any single one of them would you say they had a good night overall yeah no i mean i think and i asked uh, chad buchanan this um they i think they hoped to be able to do more um, with some with, with those picks from 26 to 32, um, and obviously they end up moving back and getting a first round pick uh, from Denver for next year. Um, but the way he made it sound was they they were really looking uh, at a bunch of spots to try to move up. You know, they said they looked at everywhere from 10 to 20 and couldn't get anybody uh, to bite on those. They had some interest in some veteran wings, looked at that, and ultimately didn't feel like it was worth giving up the seven um, for the options that they had. So, given their options, I think pretty good. But I mean, I certainly think that they were hoping to be able to make a bigger splash and that they would get more, I guess, just pop out of out of some of those other picks that they had. And they, they had to move them because they didn't want to bring in uh, more players than they have roster spots because they've got 12 guys uh, that are still going to be on contract. They only have three free agents. So they well, how many roster spots do they presently have available? Three. Three. I mean, that's three, that's three. They've got three free agents. So, yeah, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was just – see, I, and I thought it was one – I thought it was one because of the contractual situations, but you say three, but they have free agents here they got to deal with. George Hill, I mean, basically the three right. guys that are free agents, the three guys that don't have deals for next year are George Hill, O'Shea Brissett, and James Johnson. Now, obviously, they could resign any of those. I tend to think that they'll resign George Hill. Um, just if, if they can, unless, unless it becomes impossible, you know, obviously – indie guy wants to be there you know has that idea of being Udonis Haslam but also he's got still got left in the tank you know James Johnson I don't know if he's got his, you know he, he did a really good job I think of that you know old veteran role and they, they, everybody really really liked him um, and I think they, they like Hill too but Hill's in better shape you know Hill looks like he could play you know if he could play you know he could run around with us at least for another 10 years now I don't know if he could still play at that level but I think he's still got several left where he can run out and get up and down the floor um, and so I I I would think that they will try if, if out of any of those guys, I would have to think that they would try to keep him. Obviously, it wouldn't cost them a lot of money, um, but I think they'd like to have one real, you know, significantly older veteran in that clubhouse to have that kind of presence. So I, I think that's why they got two rookies in the first round, and those other two guys I think can get on two ways uh, and then end up being spending a lot of time in the G League. So that's where I think they'll go. Obviously, they can make some other moves. I think they're going to certainly explore and try to be aggressive, and that might end up opening up a couple more things. And I think they got to try to at least move Daniel Tyson, see what they can do just to uh, unclog that sort of logjam they've got at center. Um, so, but that's at, at this moment they have. 
three guys that are free agents and they've got 12 guys that are still, you know, due to be under contract for 2023. I was talking this thing up uh, about how that could be an oh, wow night. And and honestly, Mm -hmm. it wasn't an oh, wow night for anybody. It almost like it was a scripted Mm -hmm. night. It was very, uh, very, very kind of, I don't know, a little milk toasty Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the night without a lot of fireworks going on. Uh, Mm -hmm. Could you factor in maybe um, the next three weeks or so as some fireworks worthy stuff going on here or is it going to be kind of the same according to a script what's your expectation for the Pacers once free agency is allowed to be underway I mean I think they can have some fireworks I don't think I mean you look I think at the costs for what some of these trades are I mean you saw some fireworks leading up uh, to the draft, obviously, with, with the Porzingis deal, you know, moving him to Boston, moving Marcus Smart to Memphis, I think is significant. Obviously, Chris Paul uh, and Jordan Poole, uh, you know, moving around, switching places, and, and, and Paul end up going to Golden State is a pretty big deal. Uh, the Brad Beal trade is a big deal. You know, obviously, you know, the Wizards are clearly blowing the thing up and starting over. Um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. A lot a lot of pretty big names are going to be moved. So it seems like there's, there's going to be some movement around the league. As far as the Pacers are concerned, I mean, obviously, once you get these draft picks out of it and, and you're seeing that those that capital didn't move the needle uh, as much as they would have hoped. Um, you know, I, I think that it obviously kind of shrinks their capacity a little bit um, to really try to make big moves. And, and it's a question of, all right, you know, will they move somebody like Buddy and, and, and what's that bring in? Um, you know, would you know, would they be willing to move Miles Turner? What would that take? All right. No, go ahead. I'm just joking. Yeah. No miles. No, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think they're going to move him. Uh, I was just I happy was I didn't have to hear why well, I didn't hear one reference of the possibility of mm-hmm. trading Miles last night during the broadcast. That made me feel good. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think and I think the Pacers would be happy. To, obviously, they'd be thrilled to keep him. I, I, I don't know. Again, right. it, it would it would be a high bar. There would like it's not a situation. Certainly, they're not in a case where they have to move him now. They, they don't go into this like they went last year with an expiring deal. It's like okay, you got to get something for him. In this case, it's hey, you've got this. You've got to give me a really good reason. Uh, to take them off my hands, you know, you, you, you got to give me really something that draws me. And if you're not going to do that, then I'm keeping him. And so, you know, again, and you should set a high bar because I think he's a top ten center in the league. You know, you got him on a, a relatively, you know, team friendly deal uh, for the next two seasons. He wants to be there. He obviously had his best best year of his career this season. I think there's there's more to be gotten out of him with the Tyrese Halliburton connection. Uh, you'd have to really give me something special to give me Miles Turner. But the flip side of that is, if you're not moving Halliburton, you're not moving Matherin, and you're not moving Turner. And, you know, now you're not moving the seventh pick. You know, what's moving the needle on a big deal? You know, I mean, Buddy only gets you so much. And so after that, it's like, you know, what what is there that's really going to make a splash? And there's there's not a whole lot there. Uh, Again, I think they'll still try to be aggressive. I think they'll still look. I think they'll still check and see what's out there. Uh, But, again, the ceiling for, like, the biggest deal they can make, again, if if all of those – you know, kind of top four pieces there are off the table. You know, there's only so high a ceiling if the best player that you're trading is Buddy Yield. All right, Dustin DePurak of the Star is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Final thing, do you feel that they believe that they're ahead of schedule right now with the core of this team and continuing to grow out? And I'm I'm factoring in going into to this year. Do they feel like that they're ahead of schedule compared to what they would have thought this time last year? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think they definitely feel like they're ahead of schedule. I mean, I mean, it's not crazy far ahead of schedule, but I, I do think um, seeing how quickly that group kind of came together, developed some level of chemistry, you saw Halliburton really kind of make the leap to being, again, an all-star caliber player, um, and I think they believe that, that he's capable of bringing more guys in um, that, that adds to the talent. And, and also, they, they could sign some free agency. They've got uh, you know about $32 million in cap room, so that's, a, that's enough to get a guy, uh, a pretty significant guy that's not getting you a max deal kind of guy, but it's, you know, it's close. Um, so I, I do think that they feel like they're ahead of schedule. I, I, again, the fact that they just sort of, uh, you know, identified a team leader and alpha dog, a guy that they're building around, I, I think is further ahead of schedule. Maybe they expect it to be at this point and having some pieces around him. And there's a lot further to go. You know, there, there's, and I, I think they, they believe they need more pieces. They certainly, you know, want to make sure, you know, see Jairus Walker really, uh, you know, come through and, and be as good of a player as they think he is. Um, but I, I do think ultimately that they feel like they're ahead of schedule. They don't think they're crazy far ahead of schedule. I don't, obviously, I don't think they come in this year thinking, man, you got to make a push to, you know, to win a title. But I, I think they come into this saying reasonably, uh, you know, realistically, this can be a playoff team. Uh, I don't know if it can win a round, um, but I think it, it. I think they believe that they're capable of being a team that wins, you know, 43, 44 games and gets in. You got it. Dustin DePurak of the Star with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, the introductory press conference with a couple of new Pacers just a little bit earlier, Jess Walker and Ben Shepard, a part of that, along with Chad Buchanan. And uh, Dustin was down there covering that for the Star via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. My friend, you have a great weekend. We'll catch up, I'm sure, relatively soon, man. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me. Dustin DePurak of the Star and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. The two first-rounders in studio coming up here shortly. Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard in studio with me. You can watch that via YouTube Live. I know that Nick's going to set that up, but they're going to come in. We'll talk about last night. We'll talk about moving into the future. A little maybe uh, summer league action, too, with these guys. The two first-rounders, Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard in studio, coming up here shortly. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick 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 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This is just skipping all around right now. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I think this iPad is like uh, skipping down the trail of time to get rid of right here. It just kind of has a mind of its own. It's weird, too, because every time I open it up, it's like it's got this limited storage space on it, James, and the storage space is even more, and I'm not adding anything to it. That's weird. Really odd. All right, the two first-rounders are going to be in studio. I believe we're going to target here at the top of the hour. Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard in studio. So top of the hour, we'll get their feel on being first-rounders. Uh, as of last night, 
and that NBA draft. Get their thoughts on that. Of course, Walker came off the board at number eight officially uh, with that deal the Pacers made with the Wizards and then Shepard a little bit later on in round number one at number 26. Uh, but we certainly got time to get your thoughts on that if you guys want to jump in. I know a lot of thoughts via Twitter so far. Yeah, that's incredible. Look at the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. JMV, this is like a scene from Major League during the winning streak montage. That's incredible right there. The Reds game tonight and tomorrow versus the Braves sold out. Just standing room only tickets available. Only two months after setting the record lowest attendance in the history of Great American Ballpark. It has been a turn around. There'll be a lot of Braves fans in that joint, too. But it is a sellout tonight and tomorrow night. I think Matt's right about that. That is very reminiscent of the win streak montage with Cleveland back in Major League. Uh, JMV, no one heard what Wimbayama said last night because they were expecting his sister to kind of lose. Yeah, that, that was that was an issue right there. The plunging neckline jacket that was on was not wanting to stay on last night. It all of a sudden started to become PG-13 a little bit. Yeah, all in all, you look at last night, and I don't know if it's unfair to put it up against the NFL draft. Okay. Are they still down there? Okay. But I don't know what you can do if you're the NBA to get a little bit more excitement in it because there's just some things you want to do. You want the human interest, the family interest. I mean, you want all that going on. But as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the radio broadcast was much better, much more informative than the television broadcast. For whatever reason. And both of them. And I mean, on the ABC telecast, they just kind of turned it over all the time to Stephen A. And he started screaming. I mean, really, Jay Billis even kind of felt like he was out of place last night. Like, Reddick did a really good job. But he almost felt a little bit out of place last night to Jay Billis. It was weird. We'll get your thoughts on those two Pacer first-rounders, what you think about that, and a lot more coming up in just a bit. Yeah, Matt responds regarding my take on Trace Jackson Davis. It's going to be a great situation that will ease him into the NBA. Not going to be relied upon to contribute significant offensive points production. And he can be a part of the second unit rotation. He can just be loose and free and go out there and chase some boards, get some dunks, get second Chance opportunities on the glass. I'm going to tell you what. Second chance kickouts to shooters like they have on Golden State, invaluable. And then those dudes get to step into what is a layup for them from three-point range. Now, make no mistake about that. That was the best thing that could happen. Given that situation, I mean, the best thing that could happen is you go in round one and you feel good and everybody's happy. But given the situation, the circumstances that he was in at that time, that was the absolute best thing that could have happened. It absolutely was. And I'm hoping for him, too. I'm hoping that he really makes his mark out there. 
Because it's still, I mean, I know he's having his own party last night. I guess locally his own party. But that that had to be, that has to be tough. I mean, think about all these dudes play at such a high level. And you're there, and you know somebody still has to get picked last. You're going to get all these dudes more than likely, unless you're number one, two, or three, and probably two or three think they should have been selected number one. You know, all those feelings. So good for him. We get to shake all that loose. I mean, have just an absolute arsenal of motivation. You know, he can turn that tweet that he sent out last night into a little bit of motivation for him. But you could not have, again, given the circumstances, asked for anything better to happen for him last night. Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard coming upstairs right now. They're going to join us in studio. If you guys want to watch via YouTube Live, you certainly can. A conversation with the two Pacers first-round picks from last night. Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard in studio. They join us here coming up next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Draft night was last night. Pacers, a couple of first-rounders. We got the studio. This is, in fact... The most people we've ever had in the studio right here, which is amazing. I absolutely love it. Everybody's in here from the Pacers, family members and such. Jarris Walker, number eight overall. We'll say number seven. We know how that worked out. And number 26 overall is also in the building. It is Ben Shepard in studio with us. Fellas, how we doing? I'm great, man. How much, how much rest did we get? Come on now. Couple, couple hours. Couple hours. How about you, Ben? How much you get? I probably got four hours of sleep. That's about night. it. Yeah. Couple hours and four. Yeah. It's worth it, though, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Great night. Um, I'm, I'm curious about how all this went down, and we'll start with you. Um, last night was kind of weird because you thought you were going to go at number seven, which you were gonna, and then there was a trade happening. So, for you, was that kind of odd? When you were walking up there and you go, I was supposed to go to the Pacers, but you know now I'm with the Wizards. How did that go down? I mean, it's it's all kind of like a part of draft night. Just the, the mystery, the uncertainty. So, I mean, like, obviously I had an idea that I was going to the Pacers. Yeah. But, I mean, when they didn't pick me, like, I was like, damn, like, what happened? And then like, <laughs> I guess it just all kind of worked itself What did they tell you afterwards, how that went down, the Pacers? Um, So... They just gave me a call. So after the pick, they had gave me a call and just said kind of like, mm-hmm. congratulations. Right. Like, we're, we're picking you. So like I was still kind of confused what was going on. But like obviously, I put two and two together. 
All right. So it made sense. Now, now, were you cool and calm when you went up there to do the interview on stage? Oh, yeah, yeah. Felt good? Because I knew, I mean, I had knew before that. Yeah. So, but, I mean, I guess the outside world didn't. So I just still put on a hat and did what I had to do. Hey, had you practiced your interviews? Did you go through that part of it when you were going to be introduced to to the world like that, of the NBA in that interview? Had you practiced that just like you practiced a lot of other things leading up to that night? Honestly, that's I didn't practice with it at all. I feel like interviews just kind of come... Natural to me. It's, it's natural right here. Yeah. It is. Uh, ben Shepard's also in here. How'd your situation go down? Did you think, was it the moment when Wojnarowski had said there was a, a mid-major riser? Did you hear that and then all of a sudden think, maybe he's talking about me? Or did you already know? Yeah. Um, I kind of went into it blind yesterday. Did you? Um, I deleted all social media throughout this whole did process. Did you really? Well, keep it deleted. You don't uh, need it. Didn't ask my uh, agent about any predictions or anything like that. But um, yeah, when they I heard my name get called at 26, I was super happy. Now, did you? So. You, you probably have at least a preconceived notion. What, well, my what? agent tapped on my shoulder and he was like, "It's time," and I was like, "Really? Oh, oh my goodness!" <laughs> <laughs> so. What'd your What'd your agent say to you? You get a You get a tap on the shoulder and there's a time, or just something you expected? Um, honestly, I told him don't even don't even say nothing. I was just just wanted to live in the moment, really. So, it's a, I mean, like they they had to say something, right? Like when because like just the situation how it kind of went down with the trading and the picks and all that so after after that I kind of knew but like leading up I was just I was just like like my man said just went into a blind alright we're multifaceted here we're obviously 93.5107.5 the fan uh, inside the lounge via YouTube live where you can see the Pacer first rounders uh, on camera right now they can give you guys a wave and and check it out with Jairus Walker and, and Ben Shepard in studio um, Jairus I'm thinking about you it seemed like that the Pacers had you hard targeted from the get go what type of workout did you have here um, I had a really good workout just in terms of showcasing my versatility um, my touch my shooting range um, just a little bit of everything so I feel like just me being the player I was the competitor I was just coming out here competing just just doing what I do just who been working out so I feel like it went well when did you know when you were playing this season at Houston that this may be the lone season for you there was it at the beginning was it at some point kind of a signature moment during the season where you thought yeah you know what next year I'm going to the next level was there a moment for you this year I mean, I wouldn't even say a say a moment. It just kind of. I mean, I try not to think too far into the future. Sure. Like focus on things I can't control and whatnot. So I mean, like when I was at Houston, I was just trying to play my best basketball, or just hoping. And then I feel like, just like talking to, talking with my agent, just saying like the feedback he was getting. I feel like that's that's kind of when it came a reality. So I mean, it, you just kind of waited to find out that. I mean, what, how'd you feel like when your agent said, "Hey, you're going to be a lottery selection here"? That's how much you're valued. What 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 did that feel like at that moment when you were told that? Um, I feel like it was kind of kind of what I deserved in a sense, like just the hard work and effort I've been putting in for years and years. I feel like I hold up with the rest of you guys just fine, just in terms of my talent, my skill level. My physique, what I could bring on the basketball court. So I feel like I, f- I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So Ben Shepard's also in studio. When did you feel that? Because I mean, you're what a four year guy mm-hmm. at Belmont, right? I'm assuming like how many different schools were trying to to get you uh, <laughs> at the transfer portal and stuff. I'm assuming a lot come at you at, yeah. at Belmont like that too. But when did you decide that hey, this is good for me? I'm good, and my my next level dreams are, are ready to come true. When was that? Yeah, after the season ended this year um, I had a lot of thinking to do whether if I was going to take my fifth year at another school or at Belmont or if I should pursue my 
professional career and uh, talk to my family, and I think that's the best decision that was made. And uh, yeah, happy with my decision. I am an Indiana State guy sitting right here, yeah. by the way, too. I'm trying yeah. to think. You go 18 and 19, one regular season game, and then the uh, Arch Madness against Indiana State this year. Yeah. Is that what you did? They lost, or they beat us in the in Arch Madness. Arch yeah, Madness, quarterfinals. Yeah. And we were watching that in here, and I think you beat them by one. It was like a shootout, like 80, 88, 87, something like that, I think, yeah. during the, during the yeah. regular season, too. So, uh, Belmont preparing you, right, in the Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. And uh, How many years did you play um, – in the Missouri Valley compared to how many years in the Ohio Valley? Yeah, three in the Ohio Valley, one in one. Missouri Valley. So it was only one? Yeah. Okay, two. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. so you're here now. What did the Pacers tell you about their expectations and your growth with this organization so far? Um, one of the first things Coach Carlisle um, asked me is if I'm comfortable with the ball in my hands. And um, I grew up playing point guard until I grew six inches my junior year. What? So uh, I'm comfortable at the point guard position, but also – shooting the ball at a high level and also defending one through two, maybe three. So so how tall were you as a sophomore in high school? 5'11". 5'11". Yeah. What were you thinking about? What was going to be – how tall were you as a sophomore? As a sophomore, I was like 6'5". Were you really? What were you thinking about you were going to be at 5'11 in high school? Did you have any of this kind of thought in mind at all, no even shot. back then? Nope. Nope. When did that start to become a reality for you? <laughs> I'd probably say junior year really? of college. Nice. Yeah. But I always knew I was good. I just felt like I was flying under the radar for a good amount of time. But Jarris, when did it come a reality to you that that NBA was going to be your um, next level? I knew it could be like possible once I got to once I got to high school um, at IMG Academy, just playing against those high level dudes, competing with older dudes, just holding my own against against high level talent. So I feel like just just being able to stick around and just like I said, hold my own with them. I kind of feel like. Like it was possible. What did the Pacers tell you about their expectations for you? Um, for sure, just to just to come in, um, defend. I mean, that's what I, I feel like. It's one of the better things I do. Um, just come in, be aggressive, be assertive, um, and just just make an immediate impact. So, just whatever you can do. Now, have you guys talked to any of your future teammates yet? Anybody reach out to you at all? Yeah, yeah. A couple of the dudes um, had hit me from the team. Uh, I got to chat with a couple of them for a little bit. Ben, what about you? Couple of them, couple of them too. But it was just congratulations. You, you guys seem pretty calm and collected right now. Is it tough or are you just tired? What is it? You seem like you're really calm and collected. Most would be outside their mind right now. Is that just how you're, you're built or you're a little tired? I mean, you caught us on the tail end. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's up to me to get you guys all back fired up again before you get out of town. Now, you, will you guys bail out of town after this? Or are you staying around for a little bit? Um, I think we got a night and then. I'm out tomorrow. I'm not too sure about. I leave tonight. Oh, you leave tonight? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. So both of you will be playing in in summer league, correct? Yep. And summer league, Jarris gets underway. What three weeks? I think from now. Um, I think the first game is on July, early July. Yeah. Eighth, I think. So. Yeah. Now, I don't think I asked you this, Ben. What do you think you can add to the team sooner rather than later? I know all this is is a long term viewpoint here, but what what do you think you add to this Pacer team? Um, I'd probably say shooting and defense. Um. And obviously, whatever role is asked of me, I do it. And uh, just figuring out what that role is and doing it at a high level. So, How much did you know of the Pacers before they drafted you last night? 
I know, you know I, I know I worked out well here, but uh, well, I didn't. I didn't know that. They well, were that interested. So. It's interesting because you both did. Now, did you, Jarris? Did you participate in the Chicago Combine, or did you stay out of that? Um, no, I didn't. Do you, that. you didn't go to that. You did. Yeah. And you did a lot of work up there. What? And I was always kind of curious about this because everybody had talked about. You know, Ben Shepard had a great Chicago Combine. What, what did you do up there that maybe, in your opinion, stood out? Was it shooting the basketball? Was there other aspects that maybe people that hadn't seen you fully at Belmont? were unaware that you could do on a higher level? Yeah. Um, I don't know how much people are familiar with Belmont basketball, but it's kind of like a system, and uh, you can't really go outside of it. So, like, in the combine, I try to show my passing ability, um, playmaking ability off of roll, pick and rolls and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy with my performance up there and uh, definitely shot the ball at a high level, too. How many years were you with Rick Bird? Uh, he recruited he recruited me. I yeah. committed to him, and he retired before I got there. Well, I mentioned this because 2019 was a friend of mine, Dylan Windler, from Perry Meridian here locally, who was drafted in the first round, mm-hmm. much like you guys were too by by Cleveland. Um, he um, was at Belmont, and he was in Rick Bird's system. He I think he was graduated in 2019 when you came in yeah. as a freshman. So I don't think you guys overlapped yeah. whatsoever. But mm-hmm. you know, he'd always talked about how not only was it was a, an offense where you couldn't get out of it, but it was also an offense. If you had the skill level, you could showcase exactly. that on a nightly basis. Yep. Yeah. Um, just like you said, you could showcase it. If a good player is good, he's going to show out in any system. And uh, yeah, to some extent, I did that this year, but I just wanted to show different pieces of my game in this whole process. So. That is Ben Shepard of Belmont, number 26 overall, number eight overall. We'll call it number seven. Uh, Jarris Walker's in studio. Did you always come with a, a defensive mentality, a defensive prowess, or. How much was that built with Kelvin Sampson in, in that year you spent at Houston? Um, I feel like I was always a good defender, high-talented defender, could switch, could take the paint, play passing lanes, but I feel like I kind of took pride in it and really keyed in on it and focused on it first when I got to like a defensive-minded school like, like Houston and, and under uh, Kelvin Sampson. I mean, does that where it starts there? I mean, the first thing before anything else, you got to get out there and you got to play defense. I mean, he's not going to play you if you're not defending <laughs> Did you did you ever have to grab some bench because maybe you weren't defending at the level in which he expected? Was there yeah, a, a sure. teaching or a learning moment? Yeah, practices, just get on the baseline running, uh, just learning through games, learning through films, mess ups, mistakes, but just adjusting and, and learning on the fly. How about you enjoy that season in Houston? I had a great time. I had a great time. Like it was so many ups and downs, but I knew that was a part of the journey. So. Just be able to go there, meet with the guys, connect, gel, get so close with them. Like I, I talk to most of the guys still. Like we just kind of built that bond. Well, Marcus Sasser was with you last night. He was. He was on the phone at four or something last. Well, wait a minute. Let's hear about the four a.m. phone conversation <laughs> with former Houston teammates right here. What were we talking about? I mean, like just the just the journey. Like I was so proud of him. Like I think I was doing the interview that I heard his name called, and it was just. It was just like just a proud, happy moment for him because he's, he's been working his tail off since since I got on campus, really. I mean, he's had a long career, um, did a lot of great things. So I was just I was just happy he was able to reach his dream. I've said this um, a number of times here. Um, it, it, one of my favorite players to watch, it, and it starts with effort, um, much like you guys have been talking about, is Quentin Groves playing for the Knicks, who's a, a former Houston Cougar as well. Um, it just kind of seems like anybody that comes out of that Houston program has that ready-made. That type of effort, and then you play defense, and then everything else kind of falls into that category. Is that true? Yeah, for sure, because that's how – I mean, that's the culture of the program. I mean, defense first, rebounding first, 
and then everything else plays out like you said because I mean those are the those are the things that you can control and those are the things I feel like win games ultimately just being able to defend at a high level and then rebound just protect the paint so I feel like just the the culture of, of Houston and what Calvin, Calvin, Samson, Calvin Samson excuse me preaches is is definitely what, what helps keep these players ready to go so how was the overall draft night experience how was that for you? I mean, you, you had the suit, you had the interviews, you had all that. You're shaking your head. I don't know whether you're shaking your head because you were digging it or because you could do without it. <laughs> no, it was it was beautiful. Like the whole the whole process, like you said, like getting ready, throwing on the fit, seeing what everybody else is wearing, and then like I mean, my favorite part was just watching where all my dudes just ended up. Like all the dudes I was playing against, hooping against playing with like some some of my teammates were in the draft as well from high school obviously Marcus from college so just seeing where everybody ends up and just watching everybody reach their dream it, it was a special night for, for a lot of people but same conference with Taylor Hendricks right at, at Central Florida how'd you, how'd you guys play against one another in the regular um, season yeah we matched up twice um, we, we got the better of them both times well, I mean it was a it was a great matchup he's a high talented high skilled dude no it was weird because around here I mean you two were the most common names that were, were mentioned around here and uh, you know there was some footage of you guys playing against one another certainly and uh, and seeing where that goes did uh, the, the whole tournament situation end with a thud for you too is that you know, as far as you know the way you guys went out in Houston way Houston went out in the tournament in March yeah um, yeah just on just not what we thought it would, it would be but I mean I guess that's March for you I mean it's not what anybody thinks it's going to be really but just firing through injuries I mean just yeah. performances from some players um, I mean it's just, a, it's just a part of basketball and every game you go and bring your best and, and do what you asked of and I feel like it was just, just one of those games for our team it happened to be so I mean I feel like we just we just came up on the wrong side of it now that is Jess Walker right there number 8 overall really number 7 to the Pacers number 26 at a Belmont Ben Shepard's also in studio you look back at your college career maybe reflect a little bit right now um, some moments and, and what that built you into how enjoyable was it and are you glad you went through that in Nashville at Belmont definitely um, I grew a lot in my four years at Belmont um, my freshman year, there'd be games where I didn't touch the court, and there'd be games where I'd play 30 minutes. Like I never knew uh, what type of game it was going to be. And uh, sophomore year, after my junior, or after my freshman season, I stayed in the gym, perfected my craft, worked on it, and uh, yeah, just stayed in the gym and kept working. And it paid off my sophomore year, paid off more my junior year, and then senior year I had a huge role and uh, felt like I had a pretty good pretty good season so yeah yeah you, you, you put yourself on the map certainly there and uh and got drafted and in round number one now you guys work out wise do you guys go by a, a dietary plan nutritionist or you just kind of do this on your own your workout um, starting with you yeah for sure so i i mean i just eat just eat healthy or try to it's just more like just cutting stuff out I would say like just the sweets the the candy the french fries mm-hmm. fried food just things like that but I mean like it's a it's a nutritionist available and like if I need to talk to her or or me with her just focus on things but I feel like I do a pretty good job of just watching what goes into my body so you uh not with the french fry you go with the broccoli you go to the broccoli you reach for the broccoli first Brussels do you sprouts. there you go Brussels oh there you go right there how about you at Belmont I'm assuming from what Dylan said you guys have a pretty good program down there to help keep you guys on track health wise as well yeah we have a nutritionist and uh, our strength coach also does a good job like giving us what we need but um I'd say the same as Jairus I kind of just watch what I eat myself but um 
yeah, there's people at Belmont to help you with that. And <laughs> they definitely give me tips along the way that I can just implement my own life. So. All right. This is a question for you both. Jarris, I'll start with you. Anybody that you did not know that you met through all these workouts and, and this entire process that Dow's a, a pretty good friend with you? Um, I mean, I can't really say. I mean, most of my, I had one workout with another person. But did you do all singular workouts yeah. for the most part? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now you had one workout with somebody else with you. Um, in Utah, went to Providence. Name slipping on my head. But. Well, and that's okay because I'm curious, and you can answer this as well, Ben. When you're in a a multiplayer workout setting, does that make you go? I mean, I'm not suggesting you don't go hard when you go singular, but does it go make you go even harder because you got all these dudes also here trying to show out in front of everybody? Does definitely. it even make you climb 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 higher in what you're trying to do? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a sense of competitiveness in these six player workouts, and um, I've done 16 of them. Um, so you did 16. I've met a lot of people, um, learned a lot of people's games, and I ran into some of the same people actually. So uh, in different workouts, so just um, taking information and playing hard to make yourself stand out. So. Did Did you learn something meaningful of it coming out of there? I mean, something you can take with you to the NBA as far as a you know a, a work ethic, uh, just you know anything concerned over those 16 times that you worked out. Anything you can take with you? Um, definitely just asking tips from coaches and front office people like tips about rookie rookie uh year and stuff like that but um just being yourself and uh focusing on your your role and do, being good at it so hey jarris when you were here you worked out singularly here what, what kind of conversation did you have with with kevin pritchard chad buchanan with rick carlisle while you were here yeah for sure we just talked about what i could bring to the to the program what i could bring to the organization just in terms of versatility um playmaking just another scorer ball handler just a, just a person to kind of come in and just do whatever the team needs to, to get some more wins. Well, that's job number one right here, too. you got to get this team back to the postseason. You guys ready to hit the postseason? I think you start your mark right here. You're both rookies, right? So you can start making the postseason and your rookie season never look back right here. Yeah, most definitely. I don't see why we can't get it done this year, especially with the talent and the skill set, just the different players we have. That's exactly right. And, and you, what's your expectation for yourself and fitting into this team, Ben, moving forward here? Uh, yeah, I think I'm versatile and uh, can shoot the ball and play defense. And I think uh, rookies, the way you get onto the court is by playing defense and just showing <laughs> that you can compete. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm super optimistic. Um, this young core is super good and uh, fun to watch, and I'm just glad to be a part of it now. Have, so, Have you guys met Tyrese yet at all? Talked to Tyrese Halliburton yet? Yeah, I met him during my workout. He was there. He is the uh, straw that stirs it right there. I mean, he's he going to make you happy because he's he's an elite-level willing passer, which is good to have around when you guys can shoot the basketball a little bit like this, too. Hey, fellas, congratulations on everything. I know you guys are worn out. I appreciate you coming up in here and uh, spending some time with us. I know that Indianapolis and the Pacer fans are incredibly excited. And before I let you go, I wanted to have you guys be able to say something to the Pacer fans out there on uh, you know what they can expect from you guys moving forward forward and Jarris we'll start with you as far as you know Pacer fans maybe direct something to them that uh, that you expect from yourself when you're moving forward here as a rookie with this Pacer team yeah for sure I would just say to the fans just just expecting a exciting season a lot of highlights um, a lot of fun games to watch uh, move up and down a lot of fast breaks a lot of dunks just um just an exciting season with a lot of wins so I'm excited to get to it hey Ben what about you 
Um, I'd say to the fans, just thank you for welcoming me, uh, me and Jairus, uh, to Indiana, Indiana, and um, expect some good things from from us and the team. So. Got some pickup games in the morning. You guys going to be around. You can come down with me, man. Come on now. Come on now. You got to help a guy out here. No, seriously. Hey, pleasure to have you in here. Don't be a stranger. Come up here, whatever you want. Hang out, whatever you want. But uh, again, the best of luck moving forward, guys. And and thanks for being in here with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's a Jarris Walker, and that is Ben Shepard. Picks number seven, really. Number eight, I guess, overall. And number 26 in round number one for the Pacers. And I think Chrissy is everybody from the Pacers in studio with us right now? The entire staff. Everybody is in here. Rich is awesome, by the way. It is. I want to thank everybody for coming and thank thank, uh, Mike and Chrissy and everybody for bringing uh, the guys over here as well. I'll tell you what, quick break and we'll come back. Mike Wells still coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. I got some tickets to give away as well. And some of your phone call reactions about last night overall. That and more moving forward. The stream, the app, HD Radio if you're watching, you can see us inside the lounge via YouTube Live and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I want you out in front of the school with her. I'd like to have a few words with you, by God. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And Jess Walker and Ben Shepard in studio. Going to thank the Pacers, Chrissy and Mike, for bringing them up. And thank to the guys. The families were up in here, too. I uh, could not get them to go to Southport with me tomorrow morning, though, unfortunately. That's too bad. Nah, but uh, they're they're good guys. Good guys for real. And there's no doubt these dudes are worn out. But it was good to have them in studio. I want to thank, uh, again, the Pacers for sending both uh, Jess Walker and Ben Shepard, the first rounders, number eight overall, number 26 overall in studio with us. Again, podcast, it is up. Uh, 1075thefan.com. We'll do some calls. Well's going to get me coming up at the top of the hour. I've got tickets to give away as well, but I do want to get some reaction to last night, get your thoughts on last night, get your thoughts on the picks moving forward, and whether or not just the overall experience lived up to your expectation. I hyped this up too much. Was the expectation a little bit more broad of the night of fireworks and rumors and what could be and what might be, and then ultimately what was not? Curious, your thoughts. That's kind of the way I felt last night. I mean, and really, it wasn't just so much talking about the Pacers here. It was, when you look in terms of the draft itself, I mean, all the teams looked like that there was just kind of this plan, this this um, you know, this blueprint they were going by, and there just wasn't a lot going on that makes sense. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, teams were making deals and they were shuffling the deck on picks, but you know, as far as hearing any already established players 
And I know you can't always expect that, but you know, that's just kind of something that adds to the entirety of it right there. And that, that bummed me out. I will say this for both. I mean, you could tell what the Pacers were thinking with both in trying to implement them with this team and with things that are missing from this team right now. And, and, and Jess Walker brought up this. The first thing he said was defense. So there is no doubt. And that is the reason why I wanted that to be the pick. That is the reason why I'm glad that was the pick. If they were going to stay at seven or ultimately, as they did, move back to number eight to get more resources with what they did with the Wizards, then so be it. But it was being more ready made for it now. I don't know where these guys are going to be, rotationally speaking, how much time we're talking about. But, I mean, you can even see here in studio, he looks he looks ready. He looks ready. So I didn't have much of I didn't have much of uh, uh, again an issue at all because if you saw 107.5thefan.com and all of our picks, and this is not like I was going out on a huge ledge or anything. That's who I just expected to be there, and who they wanted, and who they had liked all along. And as he mentioned here in studio a little bit earlier, that was true. Now they had their eyeball on him the entire time. Now, in, in, in Ben Shepard's case, yeah, he didn't really know. And I, obviously, I don't think he heard. We all kind of knew where they were going when Wojnarowski brought up the the whole mid-major riser. I mean, everybody then kind of knew where they were going with that. But he said he had no idea. He deleted all his social media. And quickly, you got to get that back. But if you missed him, both first-rounders in studio a little bit earlier, we'll podcast that up at 107.5thefan.com. I want to thank uh, Nick here as well, um, downstairs from Tech and Digital for coming up here. And a lot of our folks, Todd Meyer, David Wood, were all here as well. So I appreciate that. On Friday, I know, a getaway Friday in the summertime sometimes can be difficult, but everybody's here. And we do appreciate that. Normally, it would be difficult because normally I would be on the road. But today, you're not so much. All right, let's work in some calls about last night, work in some calls about the draft overall. And I guess now kind of move forward to the expectations you have, if any, because something does have to be done. There's going to have to be some roster maintenance coming up here. What's your expectations, for example, in the next three weeks? You get into free agency. Is Buddy Heel still going to be a part of this team? When you get on the other end of this, you view the Pacers moving forward. And do you think as I do, and I think everybody should, but not everybody's on the same page with me, that this team is ahead of schedule? 239-1070 is the number. Raphael's going to start here. Hello, Raphael. How are you? Just fine. How are you doing, JB? Great, brother. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to comment about the, about the draft the broadcast, I thought it was a little confusing. I think next year they should just say who's got control of that pick because yeah. the whole 7-8 thing it kind of threw me off. 
And I'm I would happy agree. Scott Walker, but I, I, I would. You know what, too, Raphael? I, I would agree. I mean, th- there has to be more clarity on what's going where when it's going down. And that's what I mentioned earlier. There was way too much having to scroll Twitter, for example, and find out where this pick, for example, at, at you know 29 was going, and you know who is responsible for that. And you know, it's just kind of discombobulated. And you have to try your best to make it with much more clarity than what you see. Uh, something does have to be done. I don't know what it is to be done. It's easy for me, Raphael, to sit here and say, well, something has to be done and then not come up with any sort of solution. But they do have to adjust in, in some way because you're right. It was confusing for a lot of people. It was confusing for those that follow the game closely, much less anybody else. Agreed. Raphael, anything else? That's it. You have a fantastic weekend. It was confusing. I mentioned this last night. I got the most information, the most clarity, the most interest out of the ESPN radio broadcast. I don't know who all was on it. I know PJ Carlissimo was a part of it. I want to say Frischilla was on there. I'm not sure. Uh, Seth Greenberg was a part of it. Uh, Bobby Marks, who's on this show, hopefully coming up on Monday, was a part of it. Bobby Marks was, like, moving all around. But the problem you have with TV, on the ABC, on the ABC portion of it, I mean, you had a lot of, you know, Stephen A. Smith screaming and proclaiming Boston. I mean, how long did that whole Boston thing, you know, the Boston and the favorites next year uh, because of Porzingis kind of stuff? There's a lot of screaming going on there. And then... The ESPN broadcast outside of J.J. Redick was just incredibly dull. It was really dull. So, you just have to be more clear about what's going on with those that are tuned in. And again, I know what you're going to say. Well, you can easily scroll Twitter and find out for yourself, but you know maybe you don't want to. I don't know if you want to send people 19 different directions during the television broadcast. I mean, hell, you've already split it up the way that it is on, you know, one network station on and on ESPN as well. But I don't know if you want if you want to fragment that up even more. I just think you have to be more clear. Now, again, I wish I had a solution. I wish I had an answer. But it didn't come in the form of TV last night. Radio, radio, I thought got you there. But again, radio is different because you can do those long-form things. Like, I just sat in here with these guys, right? I did 20 minutes with these guys. Um, TV, you can't do that. TV, you got to be quick and to the point and then out and then on to something else. In radio, you have that time. And then radio, in this case, radio would be, have been the last to interview these guys. They would go, you know, ABC to ESPN and then to ESPN radio. And they would get them sometimes in longer form. And they would get them... Maybe two picks later. But I thought that the radio broadcast was far more informative. Hey, JMV, I didn't hear you a little bit earlier. What were your thoughts on Trace Jackson Davis going to Golden State? It was the best thing that could have happened to him given those circumstances. The best situation to happen to him given those circumstances. There could have been a wide variety of things that would have been better for him both financially Pick-wise, but as far as him moving forward, given those circumstances where he is going, you take that all day long. All day long. You can run from end to end. 
You can rebound offensively, offensive glass and kick out. Go in for a lob, do some stuff near the rim, become a rotational player and know that the team that you're playing on is boom or bust. They either win the finals, they either win the NBA championship, or it's a bad season. So, to me, I, again, given the circumstances, I don't know what better situation you could find. John is next, 239-1070. Hello, John. Yeah, hey, JMV. Um, a couple thoughts is I totally get the first two picks, but the two second-round picks, we're just, we already have a glut of guards, and I'm wondering why the Pacers didn't further consider TJD. Uh, obviously, probably 40% of all Pacers fans are IU fans. You have a built-in, you know, he'd, he'd bring more people to the games. And if they, if they already have roster maintenance that has to occur, why didn't they consider, you know, Trace? You know, you, you got Isaiah Jackson. Maybe there, there could be some movement there. And, John, thank you for the call. Again, I don't want – I don't know how anybody else feels. I don't want the Pacers to draft in terms of selling tickets because that guy's sitting on the bench. And to be fair, because I like Trace a great deal, I want him to go someplace where he is going to get a legitimate opportunity to run up and down the floor, be a part of a rotation. And Mike Dunleavy's already mentioned that there is a spot on this roster for him. And now you just take all that motivation and you go out there with a good team, with one of the greatest players of all time, with a fantastic coach, with a wide-open game where not everything's on your shoulders, you can be free and easy. And you don't have to blank with, you know, people asking you, hey, can I go to the game tonight? you got tickets for me. Hey, you want to go out? Hey, you want to do this? Hey, 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 hey. That sounds good for IU fans, but this is the best situation for Trace. Just always keep that in mind. This is the best situation for him. It'd be great for IU. I know IU fans would love it. You could say, hey, there's Trace, and look what he did at IU for four years, and now he's playing for the Pacers. But you got a log jam in that situation. If you're Trace, you don't want to mess with that. And you've got a packed roster. You don't want to mess with that. And now you go out to Golden State as the, what, second to last selection in last night's NBA draft with a legitimate opportunity. With a team that jumped back in because they have some belief in you. I would just suggest that you take not not what's better for you, but take in consideration what's best for him. That's it. The Bill's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Bill. How are you? JNV, how you doing, my friend? Bill, three times next week. On the road at Walk-Ons downtown Wednesday. On the road, Tavern Tour stop at Irea's downtown on Thursday, and then Grand Park with the Indy 11 coming up on Friday. Three times well, we're out. Well, you know, the one I'm the most excited about is Irea's. Yes. I mean, that's a hats off to whoever on the sales staff and everything booked that. And if Irea's is a place where, if, if you're new to Indianapolis, you might not have ever heard of it, but it's not, it, it, it truly is an iconic type place. And, uh, I just might eat twice. I'm going to get there early, and I, I think I might eat twice because that menu is is second to none. So it's going to be a it's going to be a lot of fun next week. Um, as far as Pacer fans and and drafting IU players, 
we could have drafted Steve Alford, but instead we drafted Reggie Miller. How did that turn out? Pretty good. So, you know, it's just, it got to evaluate the talent and, and, and plug in players that are really going to be uh, beneficial. And Trace Jason Davis, let me introduce you to Antonio Davis and the Lakers because, you know, a lot of times you draft players to match up with other uh, players that are on competitor competitor teams, and I can see those two going at it and everything. And I think that's one of the reasons why they why they got him. But uh, hey, Bill, not a lot of these teams, not a lot of these teams. And I, the Pacers, by the way, as uh, undrafted free agent signed Oscar Shibway, who was the National Player of the Year the year before last. He was signed by the Pacers today. Uh, he's another one of those low post players. Drew Timmy was another one that it, you, you don't get a legitimate shot in this era of the NBA. But Trace as a a low post player as we have seen for four years, will get a legitimate chance with Golden State. You embrace that, and you especially embrace that if you're an IU fan. You feel good about it, and not bad because the Pacers didn't add him to an already logjam big man front. Yeah, it's, that is. I'm, I'm happy for I'm happy for him as well, and, and uh, I want to find out more about Mojave King because I, I looked up some stuff on him, and he's got a 33 and a half. He's six five. He's got a 33 and a half standing vertical leap. That's that, that's pretty darn good. So, uh, anxious to find out more about him. Uh, hopefully, T.J. McConnell will, will will be able to stay on the team. I think the Pacers didn't they draft somebody that's also five nine. I think they drafted somebody that that uh, or added somebody to the roster that uh, is under six foot. But uh, uh, going to be anxious to see what to see what happens and. Uh, Forget about Porzingis and Boston. I, I don't think that's going to work out at all. I think he actually. I think he's going to mail it. I actually I think he's going to be a bust, and they're going to boo. They're going to boo him out of town. But my pr- prediction for next year's draft is the one broadcaster that will not be will not continue to be employed by ESPN will be Stephen A. Smith. Why is that? Because they're financially making cuts. I, I think he's one of the reasons why they're doing that because they pay him so much. That's not going to go anywhere, is it? Well, I, you, know, you don't know. Uh, I, I never. You remember when they had the sports reporters on uh, on Sunday mornings at ESPN, and they, when they made those that first round of cut. I mean, that was their that was their most popular show, and they took it off the the air just to just to save money. That's when the Mike Lupica was on, and uh, Bob Ryan, I think, was on that one also. So yeah, ESPN is going to be making some cuts. I think his. I, th- I think his time. It's his time to just stick to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, he's a he's a guy. Thank you, Bill. I'll see you next week and can't wait to see you next week. Yeah, he's gonna be he is the uh centerpiece of what's going on there. He, Mike Greenberg, centerpieces. Let me hit Steven before the break at two three nine ten seven. Hello, Steven. What's going on, JMV? How are you doing? I could not be better. Thank you for asking. I love to hear that. Um so I want to hear your prediction as of right now, so you could assume trades may happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you think the starting lineup for the Pacers will be game one next year? Um, you're going to get, um, I'd say Halliburton, Matherin, Turner, Heald, and maybe maybe Walker, depending upon how he looks. Yeah, I was thinking Walker too. Uh, the only reason I might not think that is. I mean, we saw Matherin barely start last year, so you never know. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't – like, I don't – I've said this. I, I think that he is ready to be rotational, and you can count on that. I don't know if I count on him to give starters yeah. minutes. I'm not going to suggest that right now. 
But see, yeah, I, 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 the thing I don't know, I don't know, you know, how what, what role, you know, Neesmith, will Neesmith yeah, go back into the see. starting lineup? Will uh, What's going to happen with, with Jalen Smith? What's going to happen with Isaiah Jackson on that roster as well? And we talked about roster maintenance a little bit earlier. They're going to have to do that. Some maintenance, yeah. some management on that moving forward. So I don't know if I'm ready to suggest that Walker's going to be in the starting lineup, but I know that yeah. he's good enough. And he's certainly, you know, got the, uh, the athletic build and the strength to, he looks yeah. he looks the part of being rotational right now, and that's yeah, where you we start. Need, we need the defense at that four position, definitely. So I think that eventually you got to look at him if he's not starting day one. You got to yeah. look at him if he's performing. Yeah, no doubt. There's no doubt about right. that. Hey, Stephen, thank you for the call. Yeah, I don't know about a starting lineup, and I know a lot of people have suggested that is going to be the starting lineup, but maybe it will. I mean, some have also suggested that Buddy Heald comes off the bench, presuming he's back here and doesn't get traded. But that's where I'd go with it right now. Oh, yeah, JMV, I turned my car on and immediately here, Irea's mentioned. I have no doubt this will be a great ride home to end the week. Irea's, Jason, coming up next week, next Thursday, in fact, less than a week away. Irea's off of College Downtown. That's a tavern tour stop for the month of June. Me and betting analyst Brent Halverson and all of you. Man, that is right there. I want to thank Nick for taking that picture. That is uh, me and Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard and what I have described as the greatest three-on-three team of all time in Indy right there. I'm telling you. I'll just sit out there and just wait for a little bit of a kick out. Nobody's going to care. Knock down a three. Three's better than two. Nobody in Gus Macker around here would have anything on that group right there. And you know, you're already looking at me and you go, oh, nobody's going to guard me because of the way that I look. I, I came, I come in to, really one of the best basketball disguises of all time. Because they immediately say, hey, you know what? Who cares? Nobody has to guard that guy. And then by the time they realize they have to guard that guy, they're buried with five buckets in the grill. Greatest disguise of all time. Unfortunately, I got to go on the other end when you play full court. But three-on-three-wise, man, the greatest three-on-three team in the history of Indy right there. Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard in studio. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Your calls, Mike Wells, top of the hour. Tickets to give away and more. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. and 107.5. The Fan.
Uh, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard in studio earlier. Uh, the two first-rounders, podcast 107.5thefan.com, officially number eight overall and number 26 for the Pacers last night. Uh, Wells is going to be here, I think, of ESPN Radio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. I do have some extra time tonight. How much time do we have of extra time? It's lengthy this evening, is it not? We're going until 624. 624. Holy crap, that's a long time right there. And they expect me to fill that. Hey, JMV, one thing here does not look like the other. (laughs) I don't look great right there, do I? (laughs) I don't look great. But again, it's all a part of the disguise right there, BT. All a part of the disguise. All it is. Uh, CW says, Trace will be in the G League. I say, say what you want but he has a great chance to get clock with a championship team. CW responds, does the 57th pick ever stick without a few years stint in the G League? And I said, please read what I just said. He has a great chance to get time, get minutes, be rotational with a championship aspiring team. You take it and run with it. understand what i don't even understand and i know this is the purdue dude right here why would you be pissy about this because you're going to be in the same situation next year why you be pissy about that all i said was he's going to get an excellent opportunity that's all you can ask for if you're number 57 i don't know if any of these dudes are going to stick but As far as the circumstances that he had and where he ended up, you take that and you run with it if you're him. Hopefully he does. He's going to be looking at the same damn thing next year. Then it'll be the other side. Then it'll be IU fans saying, hey, this guy's going to be in the G League. This guy's going to be overseas. Same thing. JMV, have you seen resale for the Reds tickets? Top of the park, 90 plus dollars. You could have probably spent three days sleeping in that seat a month ago for like $10. <laughs> it's incredible. Reds and Braves this weekend, a great American. Maybe the most anticipated series in Cincinnati in dot, 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 question mark. Quick one, we'll come back. Wells on the other side, your calls on the other side, tickets on the other side, a hell of a lot on the other side. 93.5107.5, the fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Dude! (laughs) 
Most medals! and 107.5, The Fan. Now, in studio, Jarris Walker and Ben Shep are the first-rounders of the Pacers earlier. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. JMV, some historical numbers here on number 57. In the past 25 years, there have been two players drafted 57th that had any kind of significant career in the NBA. Manu Ginobili, who's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Marcin Gortat, as well. Only seven other guys even played in an NBA game. Those seven guys combined for 163 total career games. And again, what I'll tell you is, if you're going to land somewhere at 57, land there at 57. i got news for you. I don't think anybody thinks there's a Hall of Fame. I don't think anybody believes he's going to be in the... the the NBA for five years, you got to get a start. And you got to find a place or get lucky, get fortunate to be a part of something to where they give you a chance. He will have a chance. He will have a chance. Hey, Jamie, the draft coverage may have been the worst major event coverage I've ever seen on TV. The NFL draft coverage is a million times better than what was last night. I was really looking forward to it, and they pretty much ruined it. ABC equals always bad coverage, and ESPN sucked too. One was screaming and yelling. The other was really boring. ESPN radio was the call last night. Ah, you just want a chance. I mean, you guys are all thinking way too long-term. I'm not thinking long-term. I'm thinking you got to get somewhere where you, like everybody says, I can't believe the Pacers didn't do it. You don't want the Pacers doing it. You don't want the Pacers bringing Trace here. You don't want the Pacers doing it because he played at IU. Trace doesn't want that. You want to go someplace where you believe you can get a legitimate opportunity. And among any of these places that reportedly had any interest, you tell me which would be better than Golden State. You don't want your team that you like around here drafting somebody because he went someplace around here. And if you're that player, you don't want that either because you're not going to get a chance. You're going to be log jammed up with Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson and Miles and Daniel Tice. You want to go where you're going to get a chance. You want to go where you're going to get a chance, and maybe you can be in a positive category. And the numbers in which Steve just tweeted at us regarding number 57. That's all you're looking for here. See what happens after that. I'll get back to you guys in just a second, especially you guys on hold. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. It is Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Uh, your colleagues at ESPN Radio last night, I thought of the NBA draft night coverage had the absolute best of anything, TV-wise or, or otherwise. Oh, uh, that's a perfect segue for my uh, self-plug for when I'm on ESPN Radio from uh, 1 to 4 on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so perfect segue for me, Jay. Yep. I appreciate it. I got to tell you, I'm a little out of sorts, though, because we're, we're an hour later. We didn't have a slow jam re-entry. But <laughs> no. I, I, will, I will gladly, gladly take the back seat 
for some rookies for the Indiana Pacers. Being in studio, you didn't have to listen to them on the phone. Nah. You were able to talk. You were able to talk to them. Yes, in studio. Um, great guys. What, I mean, what was your? Uh, they were they were really on? nice guys. They were very soft spoken. Um, they didn't have a, a lot to say. Uh, incredibly tired. But the effort to bring them up in here, um, I, I, listen, I can't. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll get. I'll get twenty minutes out of out of everybody, no matter how they're. Yeah, you know, I don't. I'm trying to think back, and maybe it was uh, Jarris Walker's uh, head coach in college was the only person that defied that, and that was Kelvin Sampson back in the day when he was IU's uh, head coach. But normally, I can I can get regardless of the situation. I can get some time, and I, I could tell that they were worn out. They were tired. You know, they did the press conference. They got in early this morning and uh, did a press conference, photo shoots everywhere. There was literally 20 people in the studio, family members, Pacer people. I mean, everybody was in this studio. So and, and that, given and the circumstances, little, little they did a hell of a job. Yeah. They had 20 people in that little-ass studio? I'm telling you, man, it was. And it, it got hot in here, too. And you know how I am in hot studios. Man, I almost right. I almost started my Nelly and it's getting hot in here, and I was about ready to take off all my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's too funny. You know, hey, uh, I, I I found it comical. Um, again, you know, so so much is surrounded by social media. You know, is so big now, and people are always on it. The amount of comments about where Trace was taken last night, the second to last pick in the draft, and everything. And I've I've always been a believer, which why which is why I think it worked out perfect for Draymond Green instead of the Pacers taking him in twenty twelve when they took Plumley. when you're in the second round, yeah, and you know your contract is not guaranteed there's no guaranteed contract, I'm hoping that I am going to a team that I'm better suited style wise than a team that just wants to take me because I think I'm the best player available at that spot. Golden State is the perfect fit for um, for Trace because he's not. I mean, he's not. He's proven that he's not an excellent outside shooter. He doesn't have to shoot outside jump three pointers because they got enough of those guys on their roster. He's just got to dive to the rim, get alley oops off of uh, drives from Steph and Clay, and you've got to protect the rim. So I, I I would not care about being the second to last pick in the draft. I'm going to a franchise where I'm in a great position where I can have an extended yeah. NBA career instead of being in the G League or going to going over to Europe in a year or two. And those saying, Oh my God, I can't believe the Patriots pass on it. You hit you hit it on the head perfectly. Four guys that play Trace's position. He he is not he would not be in a position to have an opportunity to get the minutes coming in. You know, Mike Dunleavy said last night that he was going to be on the roster already. None of this two-way stuff. So Trey should be happy. And I, I love what, what what was said on um, on uh, this morning on with uh, Jake and Kevin Bowen about you know uh, it was it was Chad Chad Buchanan when he basically said, "Hey, Trey's people basically they his agent realized that this was not a good fit for him. No doubt. It doesn't matter. It's all, it doesn't matter that he's a hometown kid because you could, it had the Patriots like him. Not only the long gym with the position, you got the hometown kid." His biological father played for the franchise. There's just so much pressure. Now he's going to the Bay Area, and he doesn't have that same kind of pressure that he would have had he been here. Yeah, you, th- you think, and I think that at least I've been around him enough to know that he would want them to pick him here because he went to IU for four years, because he was Mr. Basketball, because he's from Center Grove. I mean, hell no. That's the last thing that you want. 
You don't want to be that. You want to be uh, picked, selected by a team that you believe is going to give you a legitimate chance. And at number 57, when you get picked there, that's all you're asking for is a legitimate chance to earn some rotational minutes. That's what he has. That's what's before him. And that's what he's going to have to work for. Nothing more or nothing less. It could not have worked out any better for him. Yes, and complete agreement. Of course, people like, well, people, I, I saw someone, I saw, I was bored today, so I was scrolling through Twitter. Somebody said, well, uh, people want the uh, Colts to take Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, hell yeah, you want to take Marvin Harrison Jr. That's a completely different situation. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be one of the top picks in the draft next year. Um, of course, that would mean the Colts are going to have to suck this, this upcoming season. But, yes, he's you know playing the same position as his father, same franchise, but he he would come in and likely be the number one wide receiver for the Colts. So it's, you can't compare the two out of it. But no, I uh, I'm glad Trace is in um, Golden State, and I and I don't blame the, the Patriots for skipping on him. No, no, it, it worked out well for him, and we'll see what happens. You know, once he gets out there and gets gets an opportunity. And, and, and again, I know a lot of this is you know Purdue fans taking shots at at Trace. Um, yeah, and I got news for Purdue fans. As much as Matt Painter's on this show, Matt Painter absolutely loved Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, he thought a great deal of Trace Jackson Davis. And Purdue fans also are going to be in a much similar situation this time next year. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, if there is back and forth with IU and Purdue fans over something like this, you might want to keep that in mind because well, you'll, yeah, you'll, have mean, to, you'll probably have to be eating some to this variety coming up this time next year. They better hope Zach Eady, and this is no knock on Zach Eady. I'm not, I'm not taking a pot shot at him, but they better hope Zach Eady gets drafted at all next year, more so because of how the NBA game is played. And that, he, you know, he is not a big man that runs, that gets out and you stretch the floor and everything. So Purdue fans need to hope that Zach can get drafted next year. So they can't be, you know, trying to take pot shots at Trace because of where he was picked at. Their big man, as talented as he is in the college game, his game may not translate to having a lot of success in the NBA. What's up, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. I thought ESPN Radio last night did a great job on the NBA draft coverage, much better than the uh, television productions they did both on abc and espn and mics via the andy moore automotive group hotline what did you think when you were watching it last night i i kind of felt like there were no big surprises there were really no oh wow moments i mean kind of everything was much like what we have known for months it was like knowing that Wembenyama was going to be number one overall and then it kind of seemed like i guess other than whitmore everything kind of went according to what we thought it was going to go prior to. Yes. Now it was, I don't, and I don't, I'm not, and when I say it was kind of a snooze fest, I say it from the standpoint of no surprise. You were, where you're like, you know, um, uh, silver gets up there. And he, he makes the announcement. You're like, Holy right. beep. They went here. No, it, it was, it went just as, yeah. as predicted. Uh, I mean, man, you talk about the lack of, you know, with the top five picks, the lack of college players taken um, those players who don't, who decide to go, to the G League or the overtime uh, elite stuff, that route it, it seemed to work out. But no, there was nothing where you like you fell like you fell out your seat and said, "I can't believe this, this pick happened." It, it went as expected, and you know um, nobody took any chances, you know, Mike. There, there were no chances no. taken last night. None. No. Uh, and and which, hey, the, the way the way the game, the NBA game is now, and it's so top heavy. I don't think you can really take that risk and say. Uh, all right, we're going to go ahead and take a, a flyer on his project and think that he's going to well, pan out and everything. No, I mean, well, Golden State took a chance earlier in the day. 
They just didn't take it within the parameters of of the draft, right? I mean, Golden State, I guess, unloading Jordan Poole on his contract to Washington and bringing Chris Paul in and hopefully he's going to be, you know, a savior at that age in the starting lineups and one thing. But that that's kind of, to me, you know, Mike Dunleavy taking that chance, that was like the only chance I can remember from yesterday and all, and it was outside the draft. And, you know, and, you know, and honestly, when you say you take a chance, the way I look at it, that they took a chance, and you know, Jordan Poole wasn't coming back. It was clear based off Steve Kerr's comments um, that something had to change. Um, obviously, you know, he, he, he took that hit from uh, Draymond Green. I think Golden State took the chance of, from the standpoint of, okay, let's unload Jordan Poole and hope that we're going to be able to re-sign Draymond Green. Uh, we got rid of Poole, who appeared to be a, a, a locker room issue, on-the-court issue. Now, if Draymond Green signs elsewhere, I think – them unloading Jordan Poole can end up blowing up in Mike Dunleavy's face in his first year as general manager of the Warriors. Yeah, that part's going to be interesting because, you know, much like we were talking about with Trace being out there, being free and easy, can rim run, can go offensive glass, you know, kick it back out, get three points stepping into it. These shooters being made um, off the offensive board, play some defense, just be left-handed. And, you know, this, you know, as playing sports, especially in basketball, left-handers will tend to blank everybody up on the floor. So Trace has, you know, that to his advantage. Plus, you know, if you're working at it, which he has, and if you've evolved as a player and a mature player, which he has, he has got an arsenal of ammunition as far as motivation is concerned from everything right now. So, you know, basically now it's just up to him, but it is a great spot for him being out there. Plus, you're going to be on a team, be a part of a team that will be challenging. You know, that's finals championship or bust out there. So that'd be fun. He's out there with professionals. He's not on a team like the Charlotte Hornets or clearly the rebuilding Washington Wizards where you have a lot of youth and you're, you're likely going to be in the lottery again next year. He's on a team that has guys that play a play the game the right way, have an incredible head coach, are very mature players and stuff. Obviously, I know people say, well, what about Draymond? Yes, Draymond has his issues, but A, is a guarantee to be back, and B, you know, I'd rather have Draymond Green um, as in the locker room and as a teammate than uh, on, the, on the opposing team. So it is set up. Per, I know uh, Trace's pants are probably getting sweaty, waiting, wondering if he was going to get picked last night as he was having his party. Yeah. But when he went to bed last night, laid his head, laid his head on that pillow, he had to feel pretty good. Um, in the day of Asia, where now there's no blue check marks anymore, was that really Trace's Twitter account that said uh, people are going to regret passing over him? Was that really him? I didn't. I didn't look. I think it was though. Okay, because I, 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 I didn't. I guess you know, I, I didn't see any evidence where it wasn't, but I didn't really okay, look. You, you never know. If somebody's got a fake account or trying to act like him. Now that there's no um, that any, any Joe Blow can have a blue check mark when it comes to Twitter. I mean, think about it from this standpoint, too, um, with, with Biggs. He, uh, Oscar Shibway, for example, of Kentucky, was National Player of the Year year before last, right? And, you know, he goes undrafted, signed uh, with the Pacers as an undrafted forward center free agent, according to Shams. That was a little bit earlier today. Drew Timmy of Gonzaga, so many years, so much incredible winning and high-level production goes undrafted. He, I think he, yeah, ends, up in Mil- he ends up in Milwaukee, right, as an undrafted uh, free agent, I guess, in this case. So, but you look around at 
at, at where you know those low post bigs where they have flourished collegially and that's no longer the case and the situation moving up to the NBA. I mean, you match those guys up against Trey, situationally speaking, and you tell me that he didn't fall into some good fortune with that last night. Yes, uh, I, I'm, in, I'm in complete. Yeah, uh, Sonogo of uh, UConn, too, right? I mean, that's another big man that also yeah. didn't get drafted. So, yeah. man, it, it is crazy. Like, you know, you, you would think, you know, back back in, in the day, it was great to be seven feet tall and be able to play in the post and, and bang and dunk and do everything. And, shoot, Roy Hibbert is a poster child of what happens uh, when you become a big man who can't step out on the perimeter or you're not overly athletic. His career derailed when, um, when, when big man became, started becoming more and more extent in their inability to uh, shoot three pointers and shoot jump shots. So yeah, it, 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 it kind of sucks to be a big man who dominates in the college game and can't translate to the NBA. How would, uh, how would this era deal with Shaquille O'Neal's skill set? Oh, they get the hell beat out of them. They, you know, uh, listen. How would how would he look? I guess maybe I'll flip it. How would he look in this era of basketball? Well, he was so dominant. They find they find a way. Whatever team he went to, he would he would definitely he would definitely be fine. And just because he's able to dunk, and everybody, of course, teams are going to put him in that high pick and roll situation. They're going to force him to try to get him in foul trouble. But I do think Shaq might be the rare exception to be able to still have an impact in the NBA at his with his size and with his strength. What about Jabbar? Ooh, that's a, that is a great question on Kareem. Ooh, what do you think? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to flip it and let you answer that. Yeah. Um, I, I think the way that everybody thinks right now, the NBA, that it would be problematic for both of those guys. You know, even with the yeah. dominance that you talk about regarding Shaq, and what we know now, clearly, um, and certainly the dominance over so many different years, much less decades, with Kareem, uh, I think in the era in which they play right now, unless you're on a team that did not think that way because of your incredible skill set in the low post, uh, it would be tough for either one of those incredible low post Hall of Fame individuals to get close to what they got close to in their career in this era. Hey, but here, let me do this. Yeah. Could you imagine Shaq playing with Golden State? Yeah. Having him yeah, in he that, would, uh, what, I mean, what, 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 rebound? What, rebound and dunk what, and stuff? And, yeah. And then yeah, hey, Curry, what, rebound what, Curry's 35-foot misses when he does. Hey, but with those shooters and not – you couldn't double-team Shaq in the post because he would have a field day. If uh, you if you try to play them straight up and then you double double team them, guys like uh, Clay and uh, Steph, they would probably shoot sixty percent on three pointers. How, how happy would he be though? Play. How happy would he be going five possessions where he wasn't the first option on the offensive end? Would he be happy about that? Uh, of course not. Of course, <laughs> of course he wouldn't. Be. <laughs> That's what I kind of think about. I think about the reaction to you know what we know now compared to the reaction of what we know today is that if you have somebody that has that type of of ego because he is so good such high level and you go five possessions and you know you got dudes shooting threes off of two passes and they don't go to you in a low post i think you got to factor in that particular feeling too yeah yeah i didn't think about that i thought yeah i thought it from the, from the other way around right. hey i know we were talking about trace the whole time yep what you what did you what did you think of the Patriots draft. Um, were you all in favor of it? I, I was, um, I was pro Jarris Walker the entire time. 
um, yeah. because I, I think that, that he embodies what is necessary uh, for this team uh, to grow and to get better. I don't necessarily know if if what we're going to see is going to have immediate impact, but he looks to be certainly strong and athletic enough, and having him in studio, you can certainly see that, uh, strong and athletic enough to be put out there and at least be rotational. I, I kind of said this, Mike, um, regarding Walker, I'll compare it to Richardson. All right, I'm not expecting you know either one to jump off the page with incredible levels of production. But I will be incredibly disappointed if either would be, you know, in this case with Walker outside of rotation where they they can't play him just yet because he's not ready. And the same goes for Anthony Richardson in week number one of the NFL season for the Colts. Incredibly disappointed if he is not deemed ready to go. So I kind of view them both in similar fashion. You're going to take their lumps. They're going to get their ass whipped. They're going to get sacked. They're going to make mistakes. All that is going to occur. You know that I was talking to to uh, to Walker about that, and you know he's going to get benched by Rick Carlisle. You know that is coming at some point. Um, but I just want to know. You want to know. Fans around here want to know that they are both deemed ready at a young age, which a, a relative level of inexperience to play the positions and the reasons in which they were drafted by the teams here. That's where you yeah. start for me right there. No, I, I know. And, of course, you know, people are moaning and groaning that, oh, it's kind of a boring draft for the Pacers. They make, quote, unquote, a splash. Again, it's about continuing to add pieces. Where now that free, free agency is about to start, is there, as you look at the free agent landscape, is there somebody you look at and say, man, they need to go get this guy or they should try to trade for this guy? I, I, I wish that they would add – you know, another established type of wing. I do. Um, because I, I do think that, that Jess Walker is going to take s- some time. I think he's going to be rotationally ready. But I wish they had another established wing, um, certainly better than, than what they have right now, uh, that is veteran, that can score, that can play defense. Um, I don't think they have that. I think the problem is it's going to be difficult to get something like that because they don't have – I think they have one roster spot right now which is open, and we'll see what happens with Buddy Heald. You know, we'll see what happens with Chris Duarte you know, coming up during this free agency period when trades are made. You know, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, who may or may not be on the trade block. But I, I think that that is the position they need because even though I believe in Walker, Mike, and his defensive prowess – moving forward as he grows, uh, it's still necessary in the now. And I have expectations for this team to make the postseason in the now coming up this year, and they're not going to do that playing the type of defense that they played last season. No, no. You know, I got to tell you, I forgot that – I tend to forget that that Chris Warte is on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, it's something, too, because after his rookie season, everybody was excited. That was almost like – it was the rebirth of Kevin Pritchard here. I mean, Kevin Pritchard was, you know, everybody was down and he's got to get out. He can't make the right pick, right decisions. And, you know, it kind of started with Duarte when a lot of people said, well, he's too old. They shouldn't draft him, but they did. And he had a good rookie season. And then, you know, unfortunately, since that point in time between injuries and, you know, getting log jammed kind of with uh, you know other rotational guys similar to him, it, it kind of looks like he could end up being the odd man out. But that's where it all started, kind of a rebirth of the image of Kevin Pritchard as a decision maker 
for for this team. Yeah. And really, most of it since then, and we'll see what happens with this group, but most of it since then has has been positive. And also, Mike, you know this, what comes with, you know, when things are going well, what comes with positive, you also can create good fortune. And a part of that good fortune is being able to ridiculously sign DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet almost a year ago in July and be fortunate enough that Phoenix was dumb enough to match it. So you got lucky there. Yep. So nah, good, good fortune Good fortune comes with high-level production. It all comes hand-in-hand hand sometimes. Completely. Hey, I got I to get running, man. I got to uh, get these kids off and uh, run some errands with them, man. Uh, my girl Laney doing anything this weekend? Late. Um, I think she's going to a camp. I think they went to Holiday World day before yesterday, so I, I think they've all been asleep since that. Laney and Adelaide went, and I think it was I think it was chaos from what I've heard. You didn't roll down there and hang out and sit on a bench and pair of jorts. Eating funnel cake? <laughs> I did not go. I think my, my wife went, and then Blake went down with some uh, some Ron Collie friends, I think. So they they went you know, like same day, but but separately. I, I love this is what I love about my kids, and especially you know, in this case, Blake. He stops at all the places in which I always stop at to take pictures and send them to me. He stopped. He stopped at Stoll's Lakefront at Boggs down outside of Lagoni. Pictures for me. Snitzelbank in Jasper. He stops. They didn't eat or anything, but pictures for me. That's how I know I have reared my children accurately. Is when they they stop. And by the way, CG did play Bedford, and then they had a little inner squad thing after that the other day. I get to see uh, Jeff Allen, the head coach of Bedford North Lawrence, the 4A champion Bedford North Lawrence Stars. I talked to him for a while too. He was up there, so good times. Nice, nice. Hey, uh, I think uh, Austin Parkinson, the, the Butler women's coach. I think they got a uh, they got a, a player from Bedford um, uh, going there this year. Oh, are they? This year, or she committed for next year. One or two. Oh yeah, yeah. What, they, they, yeah, they, yeah. They're certainly. Oh, now you bring it up, and I can't remember. Um, I can't remember the girl's name right off the top of my head. Um, but I know you're talking yeah. about, and he still, Jeff still has talent down there, and and beyond talent, he just they, they got girls that scrap. I mean, they they scrap, and they grind. Uh, they are tough. He's got a nice group down there. It just kind of, kind of flows from class to class. I guess this is one of these ways, and I always kicking and screaming describe it as such when it's described as a culture, right? I know that's yeah. overused, but that's what he's got down there. Talent or not, they grind and play tough, and that's a lot of the battle at that level. And, and I and I, and I bet you. Uh... He has. Uh, he gives every girl an opportunity. If they play hard enough, probably, probably get a shot at the playing time, huh, bro? <laughs> oh, I love a little. I love. I do like a little BNL. I can't lie. I always have. Yeah, listen, I like Bedford. I'm all, I, I am always gonna stick up for my girl Laney. Well, always, she loves always. you guys. I know that she loves you guys. So. Born anyway. to stick up for her. So, hey, brother, have a great weekend, man. I'll talk to you next Friday. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. You can catch him on Sunday afternoon on ESPN Radio. Tim Martin says, uh, with a Stoles pull-up today, my whole family is from Lagoni. Yeah, I love – Blake will just stop and take pictures of stuff, and it's like stuff that I like that probably only I like. So, 
All the places where I go, especially in southern Indiana, he stops and takes pictures. There he is in front of the sign at the Schnitzelbank in Jasper. So that's pretty funny. Stoles, Lakeview. You guys know what I'm talking about? Boggs Lake, Stoles, Lakeview. Legendary. Legendary all-you-can-eat. And I'm not a strawberry eater, but from what I've heard, the strawberry pies are incredibly legit. And, um, yeah, I heard a lot of good things about Holiday World. I haven't been to Holiday World in forever. I used to call it this, and I think they got mad at me once upon a time. Um, Southern Indiana's largest outdoor public bath, and I don't think they like that. <laughs> if you were, I better not even say it. If you're taking a bath in Dubois, if you're taking a bath in Perry, you're taking a bath in Warwick County. But I do like going down there. Good times. All right, quick break. We'll come back. I've got tickets for you. Rick's going to lead on the other side. We've got plenty of time for your calls. I've got some extra time after 6. We'll do some anything goes there. And uh, a little bit earlier, we had the two first rounders of the Pacers in studio. If you missed it, the podcast, 1075thefan.com. Quick break. Back with you next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, John writes this, Drew Timmy not getting drafted seems like a good indicator that if you can't defend the high pick and roll, you may not get drafted. Hope Edie goes high, but that will be tough. Yeah, it's it's that and it's the offensive game because Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy, I thought I asked Mike Wells a legitimate question. You guys think that Shaq in this era of the NBA would be the same? Think Kareem would be the same? I brought up this yesterday with regard to Drew Timmy. And I bring this up just because of the the noticeably incredible footwork that Timmy possesses right now and that Kevin McHale did back in his Hall of Fame years with the Celtics. Do you think Kevin McHale's low post play would be coveted today as it was then? Yeah, and obviously, you know, McHale was a skilled player. I'm not trying to say that Drew Timmy is Kevin McHale. I'm just making the comparison because if you've watched them both play ever, they both do have incredible footwork. Uh, Drew Timmy with his footwork gets wherever he wants to go normally on the interior collegially. But, you know, the likelihood, A, that that would happen, the likelihood that, B, anybody would even give a chance – even offensively, if you're on that team, uh, to see that occur is, to me, not even a long shot. 
and no chance. But that's that's just where we are. And you know, sometimes I feel bad because I do like I love talking about those players and low post play was enjoyable to watch, but I've always been a huge fan of three-point making. And I don't th- say three-point shooting, three-point making. And, you know, besides that, now the other aspect that's important is being able to get anywhere on the floor that you want. Few people can. If you possess that skill off the dribble with the ball, then you got something extra special in this era of the NBA as well. But there are a lot of low post players from the past that you would question whether or not they would be anywhere near the same today compared to when they flourished and became Hall of Famers. 239-1070. Let's get to Rick next. Hello, Rick. How are you? Hello, Jan V. How are you? Rick, I'm fantastic. Go ahead. As talking about big men, and I'll get to my point in a minute, but I don't think Shaq or Kareem would have any problem because they were both unguardable with the skyhook and the physical presence. They just, even in today's world, throw it down deep, kick it back out, and the skyhook was just unguardable. Hey, hey Rick, do oh. you do you think that anybody in this era would even give that a chance of happening? Would you even get to show that? Would anybody get a chance? To, because the, the low post play other than going to the basket and dunking, is over. And I, I know that, that basically that's what Shaq did. I mean, he bullied his way to the basket. And you, you may be right about Shaq, but, you know, the most unstoppable shot of all time, the signature unstoppable shot of all time basketball-wise is the sky hook. I, I don't know if a player nowadays would ever get a chance to really showcase that very often. Well, I will, I'll defer to your expertise on this because you know more about basketball than you've forgotten more than I know. But all that does is face the floor. All that does is open up the three-pointers. If you've got somebody in the post that is a bona fide scorer, they're going to have to double. They're going to have to do something. So, But it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, I guess what we're talking about here is, too, um, we have to, the, the volume in which you know, yep. Kareem scored, for example. Would he get the opportunity to score Probably at not. that volume? Because there's, I mean, when you think about all these teams over the years, whether he was with, you know, the Bucks or the Lakers, the early years with the Lakers, and then, you know, the Magic years with Byron Scott and James Worthy, I, I mean, he was always the centerpiece. He was always that option. Where would he be option-wise with a team that spread it around and had three-point shooters as every team in the NBA utilizes offensively now? Uh, that's what would be difficult, I think, to gauge. Well, let's talk Pacers for a minute. Sure. Because I think there are a couple X factors that are not be talking about much. And I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, but Norda, the guy that's now one of the two power forwards. Yes, Jordan War. Yes. Yes. Every time he was on the floor, he had positive numbers. Offensively, defensively, they played better when he was on the floor. And I think that gives... Walker a chance to grow and I'd be interested in your opinion. No, I mean listen, he he showed I thought more in spurts that he was able able to score the basketball. It just is going to be curious to see how much he else he's able to give. I mean listen, I, I thought even with to answer your question I guess fully here, 
I mean, he showed reasons why he should get that chance. I, I do question whether or not, and you know, you still have to question a rookie coming in and being able to play defense. I mean, everybody's counting on that, but when is that going to mature into something you can count on game after game? I just, I don't know with you know, Laura exactly what type of defensive presence he is going to be. Hence, I don't know what types of minutes he's going to get, but you know, for what you got him for in that. That midseason trade, that trade deadline deal from Milwaukee, it is yep. still worth a continued look. I don't know if there's any question about that. I agree. Now, here's my other thought. Yeah. Um, I think McConnell is an underrated asset as a third point guard or a third shooting guard. He brings a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet. I mean, you can make an argument that single-handedly with his energy last year, he won four or five games for us. And he goes back and forth between coverage. And he's an insurance policy, essentially. Um, But, man, I'd hate to see his presence, his energy, his passion leave the locker room, leave the floor. Thoughts? And, and, uh, hey, Rick, thank you for the call, too. I've said this before. I think for this team's continued growth combined with success, coming off the bench, what he brings to that team – is a necessary production. I think it's a necessary value. I think it's a skill that this team counts on whenever he's out there. And I know you can talk about being able to to defend. I know you can talk about being able to knock down a three whatsoever. But if you watch this team, when they flourish, when they play well, when they really put it together, T.J. McConnell off the bench doing what he does most of the time is a significant part of that. And I mentioned this in terms, too, of Buddy Heel. Buddy Heel to me, three-point shooting with this team right now, shooting's one thing, but he's a volume maker. And he's also, as I've mentioned, too, he is somebody that shakes up the defense. You have to be aware where he is anywhere on the floor. Uh, That's a skill. That's a skill that I think this team would struggle without. McConnell has that skill off the bench with his his energy and just what he has to this team. I think that that skill, if taken away in a trade, for example, I think that skill would be lost on this team as well. I mean, sometimes it does go past just what you absolutely see. And in McConnell's case, you know, I think that particular intangible is as real as it gets, especially for this team. It may not be as vital for other teams, but for this, on nights when you see them play at a high level, you tell me what you think. Normally, off the bench, he is hugely involved. Uh, Matt's up next at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Matt. Hey, JMV. Uh, good to talk to you. Um, I was just going to add, like, so thinking about Jack, Zach Eady's, uh pro prospects. Obviously, he needs a face-up game, but a comp or a model he might need to follow is Rick Smith. Like, Rick was great at hitting elbow jumpers, baseline jumpers. Seven four as well, and obviously running the floor. Uh, the game's a little different on a 
pick and roll defensive standpoint, but if, if the one thing Zach has going for him, he's a good free throw shooter, so he has a shot. So with him coming back to Purdue, I think that's something that uh, he needs to work on and can show scouts for the future. Here's the biggest problem he's going to have, Matt. Who in the NBA is he going to be able to guard? <laughs> You and me at 50. Yeah, well, and, 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 and that's not – I want him to succeed. I want him to succeed. I want to see Matt watch him succeed at the next level. You know, after obviously a year of success in West Lafayette this year. Well, I just I – that's the first thing that pops out to me is who in the world is he going to guard in the NBA? Well, true, but the NBA is a game of scoring. Like, who is TJD going to guard? Like, it was yet to be told. Like I'm not a Purdue homer. I'm I'm a Ball State guy, so I sure. I like them both. I want right. them both to succeed. I think CJD has a, a great opportunity to be a Draymond type, but a different type of player in that sense, where he's almost OG Ananobi like, where he's a rim runner, rebounder, and if he can defend on the wing, that's yet to be told. To your point, so. Uh, we yeah. will see. Well, listen, I don't know I don't know if, if Trace is going to be able to do it. I just know that Trace needed a legitimate opportunity, and that's what yeah. he's getting now. And, you know, for IU fans to be whining and crying about the Pacers didn't give him a chance here and didn't draft him, you don't want him to be drafted because he was good at IU. You want him to be drafted because he has an opportunity here yeah. to do something. Yeah. You have to love for Trace, and I bet Trace would tell you the same thing, that where he ended up was the best for him considering the circumstances. Yeah. Well, on the morning show, they kind of alluded to that. Like, uh, you know, his camp didn't really feel like the Pacers, because they're heavy at his position, was really the best fit. Right. Like those late second-round positions are somewhat negotiated to a point, and – uh, Dunleavy said at his press conference, like he wants him on the top 15. So that's a great opportunity for Trace. And I, I you know, if, whether he's leveraging contract status with Draymond or who knows, but like, uh, well, you think about uh, it from this standpoint. When you think about the you know, snow goes another one I could add from UConn, but I won't, but I'll, I'll keep it to Sheebway out of Kentucky who signed as an undrafted guy today by the Pacers, or Drew Timmy from Gonzaga that signed undrafted by Milwaukee. Um, If you consider what happened with Trace, and, I mean, you look at both of these guys as low post, old school, kind of big guys scoring down low. If you look where Trace went to be able to showcase his skill set and get a legitimate opportunity, there is zero comparison to me at all with Sheboy here with the log jam they have or Timmy in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think Trace has got a great opportunity. He's got a greater upside than Timmy. I, Timmy's straight back to the basket, like doesn't have explosiveness. No doubt. Uh, great college player. Yes. Um, but TJD can morph into something that I didn't think Thomas Bryant was going to be a good player. And he's turned out to be a, you know, a role player on multiple teams and earning a significant paycheck. So if that's TJD, then good for him. You know, but, Matt, uh, thank you very much for the call, Matt. I appreciate that. Right, Do it again. Have a great weekend. I swear, somebody last night on ESPN, who was it? Can somebody help me out here? The quote was, and this is a description of a player.
And I think, and I should have brought this up earlier, this may have been, I don't know, it may not have been Ben Shepard. But it was a player last night described as, quote, lights out beyond the three-point line, especially when he's unguarded. <laughs> quote. I thought, wait a minute. They're talking about me. I'm lights out beyond the three-point line when I'm unguarded. That's all of them. Every one of them. It's a layup for them unguarded. I love that. I mean, that's just this spectacular right there. Lights out beyond the three-point line, especially when he's unguarded. Quick break. We'll come back. More of your calls. we got an Anything Goes segment, top of the hour. I've got tickets to give away in a couple of minutes. Uh, and a great show so far today. The two first-round selections in studio and podcasted now, 107.5thefan.com. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Crank this up for me, James. Richard Butler, Psychedelic Furs. This is a JMV show in September at Brown County Music Center. Tickets available now. I want to give you a chance to win two. Psychedelic Furs and Squeeze. September, Brown County Music Center, a JMV show, number nine at 239-1070 is going to go on us. And I promise you one hellaciously great time. I have never seen Squeeze, and I'm gonna. I have seen Psychedelic Furs, awesome stuff. Number nine at 239-1070 is going to go on me. That sounds weird. And shout out to Christian and the gang down at Brown County Music Center. I was going to see what they had on tap this weekend. I think Jackson Brown maybe was down there last Sunday. I know two two weeks ago this Sunday uh, was KC and the Sunshine Band. Ooh, hold on a second here. Saturday the 24th, the Drifters and the Platters. Sunday the 25th, everybody. Are you ready? Elvis Costello and the Imposters, along with Nick Lowe. There you go. Uh, June 30th, here come the Mummies. Melissa Etheridge in July and Wilson in July. Boss Skaggs, August the 18th. Don McClain, that's the guy that played basketball at UCLA. August the 19th, that's a Saturday. Tanya Tucker, September the 6th, Everclear and the Ataris. Is there not, help me out, is there not, is there a dude from Anderson, Indiana that's in the band, the Ataris? I'll look that up. They had the remake of Boys of Summer. Remember the Ataris that, I think the, uh, maybe early to mid-2000s, alternative band, the Ataris? I thought, sure, there was somebody from the town of Anderson, Indiana, and the band, the Ataris. Grand Funk Railroad, September the 8th. Oh, there's another JMV show. Warrant, Bullet Boys, and Lita Ford, September the 16th. Give me an update on the Ataris, please. Uh, It says that the band itself is from Anderson. The whole band's from Anderson? Holy hell. Anybody know anybody that plays, still plays with the Ataris from Anderson? You heard the song they've done. They, They redo... 
Boys of Summer long ago. I mean, hell, it's probably. I mean, I, I've heard the uh, song probably almost Boys of Summer. twenty years ago, but they they redid uh, Don Henley's Boys of Summer song as their own, the Ataris. <laughs> Jameson's a winner. Oh, really quick! Hey, Jameson, you like Squeeze and Psychedelic Furs? I love it. That's great. Have you seen either? I've not seen them yet, but I'm looking forward to it. You got it, Jameson. I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to have a party down there in September. Squeeze, Psychedelic Furs, JMV Show. Jameson's the winner. All right, I got extra time right here. Let me take a break. We'll come back. Anything goes. 239-1070. We talk about whatever you want to talk about. And if it's the Cincinnati Reds with the biggest weekend set at Great American Ballpark in how many years? It's been a while. Braves and Reds start tonight. A weekend set sold out in Cincinnati. If you want to hit that, we can. Anything goes. Coming straight at you after six. Next. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does. And a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, my friends. I got about... 18 minutes or so to work with her. It's a Friday night. We might as well do some Anything Goes before we get to the last word. Who's on the last word tonight? Do we know? Is it the Gorman? Is it Matt Taylor? I I mean, I think it's Gorman, but I'm not sure. Uh, Last word is coming up in a bit, so we have time to talk about whatever you want to talk about in uh, a segment after six known, and it's flourished. As anything goes, 239-1070. Jump on with us right now. We'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about today. It's been a fantastic day. Jarris Walker in studio. Ben Shepard in studio. Number eight overall, if you want to count it, number seven in real life. Actually, number seven, if you want to count it that way, number eight in real life. And Ben Shepard out of Belmont, the shooter at number 26 overall. We'll talk too much about Mojave King and Isaiah Wong. Uh, we have talked at great length. Jalen Hood Shafino of IU, the freshman going to the Lakers, and of course, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, the nonstop either criticism, if you want to joke about it, or realism, if you want to say, you know what, he's going to get a legitimate shot here, and that's all you can ask for if you're drafted 57 overall, and your particular skill set does not align with, according to what they know now, the present NBA, so why not? Why not? If you guys remember this the other day, I believe he went to Bloomington South, right? He played golf for Bloomington South, Happy Gilmore. It was Happy Gilmore. So Happy Gilmore, <laughs> Happy Gilmore announced that he has committed to play golf to Ball State. Uh, this was 10 hours ago, the tweet. I'm very happy, excited. Check that. I'm very excited to announce that I have committed to continue my academic and golf career at Ball State. I believe Happy Gilmore is from Bloomington South. I'm very grateful for the opportunity Coach Fleck has given me. I would like to thank my family, my friends, and coaches who push me every day. And uh, he got a response 
from Happy Gilmore, the actor Adam Sandler. Go get him, Happy. Pulling for you, which is outstanding. And it is the Happy Gilmore right there. It is Adam Sandler. That's great. Hey, one time, it was a great moment on this show. Adam Sandler joined me on Radio Row. Remember, I was blackballed at the time by ESPN because Adam Schefter was all pissed off at me. Because I said something about Adam Schefter. I think I believe the, um, I think I say this right now, right? I, I, I called Adam Schefter a douche. And he didn't like it. Uh, he didn't like report to me about it. He um, he went to the Colts and then went to my bosses here, which brought me into a bunch of meetings. And this is right before the Super Bowl was an Indy. And because of me calling him a douche, this is Adam Schefter. I got blackballed from having on Radio Row down at the uh, the Marriott, the JW. That's where Radio Row was. And I could not have nobody from ESPN would come on with me. And uh, Van Pelt at the time told my producer, my producer at that moment was Matt Taylor, who is now the voice of the Colts. Van Pelt said that he could not go on with me. Ryan Rossillo at the time, because remember Van Pelt did a show with Ryan Rossillo. He said he couldn't go on. So basically all these ESPN people would like pass me by because of that. But Matt Taylor being Matt Taylor, the former producer of this show, and now the voice of the Colts, he got Adam Sandler on my show. And it didn't really matter that I didn't have anybody from ESPN. That's all that mattered. He was awesome. Now, the downside to that, the downside was Sandler was in town. Sandler asked me, and you know how much I love to play basketball? He said, hey, I'm playing basketball at the Fieldhouse, the then Conseco Fieldhouse. We're playing tomorrow. Would you like to play? Ask me. I said, hell yes, I would like to play. Now, at the time, I turned my ankle. I was limping a little bit. But at the time, I said, yeah, I'm playing. Okay, we're going to play at the Fieldhouse tomorrow morning at 8. Uh, he gave my number to his handler. And his handler was going to call me, and we were going to meet down there. I go home and proceed to take, like, every single drug I can find to take any pain away from my foot. Oh, I mean, anything. I was just handfuls. I look like Beavis, like when Beavis takes all those energy pills and stuff. I mean, I was just throwing them in. I was good to go. I sat on the edge of the bed, 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning, awaiting a call from the handler, from the assistant to Adam Sandler, a call that unfortunately never came. Then I get to see pictures at the field house. Former NASCAR driver Casey Kane was playing in this pickup game. Bunch of other dudes were playing in this pickup game. I was not. I still love Sandler, though, and he was a great interview. But, you know, almost in a pickup game, unfortunately, that did not happen. And that's too bad. Absolutely too bad. That's from Joel. Hey, JMV, do you miss the old-fashioned surprise of uh, who you're going to draft as much as I do? Spoiler tweets and now even the television broadcast. The Pacers are eyeing a mid-major guard with this pick. Quote, has completely ruined the draft surprise element for me. I, Joel, while I wouldn't mind to go back, I know that we're not. Because when you think about it, Wojnarowski is the one that started all this. 
And then Wojnarowski came out and said, hey, listen, I'm not going to do it this year because I don't think it adds any any content, any positive content to the show, the broadcast itself. Now, really, probably what he was told is you know, not to do that by the NBA. But the problem that he had is that his chief competitor, Shams, was doing it. So all you had to know, you know, a minute or so before the draft selection was made last night is refresh Shams' account, and then that pick would pop up there. So he basically handed that over to Shams. We're never going to go back to that. But what it has to be, there has to be some clarity to it. There were way too many people last night. And listen, I'm your hardcore basketball fan, so maybe we don't need the clarity that's necessary for some, but there were way too many people, and you could tell last night via social media that had no idea what was going on with a lot of these picks. All right, this pick is being made by Denver, but it's going to Minnesota. And this guy's got a Golden State hat on, but he's going to Utah. I mean, not only do you have to be more entertaining, which the ESPN broadcast was not, and the ABC broadcast had Stephen A. screaming about the Boston Celtics being the best team next year. Uh, and that wasn't enjoyable. The ESPN radio broadcast was absolutely the best because that gave you the best of both worlds. That gave you some insight to the players being drafted, and they gave you a, a conversational piece with the players that was much better than the television interviews. But to me, the problem wasn't so much, Joel. Wasn't the problem of you know knowing the picks and being spoiled by it. It was just the complete lack of clarity in what, oftentimes was going on and you know for the basketball fan we may hang around through that we may be okay with that but if you're a casual fan and you're kind of wanting to know some things and you don't know what the hell's going on that's not enjoyable and it was the, the broadcast last night it was it was lame the espn one was lame the abc one was kind of the same as you normally get from espn but the ESPN radio broadcast was absolutely the best. Yeah, they got to find ways to do something different with that bad boy. And no doubt. So I, I don't know so much if it's to me, if it is about, you know, the spoiling of picks as much as it is. It just felt like last night, if you were scrolling through social media, not a lot of people knew what the hell was going on. There was a lot of confusion. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier to Jairus Walker in studio, and he was confused himself, right? Pacers were going to select me. They told me they were, and hey, now all of a sudden, yeah, there are the Wizards. Or I should say the Pacers selecting the dude from New Zealand, and now the Wizards are selecting me. What the hell's going on? But for those that are viewing, it was, it was confusing, I'm, I'm sure, if you're not a hardcore fan. All right, anything goes at 239-1070. Line one is up first tonight. Hello, who's this? Hello, this is Graylin. Hello, Graylin. How are you? Great. I think it's wonderful how you can uh, let people talk about anything. We can talk about I don't want it to be politics because I think that sucks. Don't do that. Anything anything else other than that toilet. So, yes. Yes, sir. I want to know what you think about the – new quarterback and what type of record do you think the coach will have 
this season. I think the Colts will win uh, six to seven games. Six mm-hmm. to seven games, and I believe that Anthony Richardson will start game number one, and he will make a lot of mistakes, but he will grow, and they will benefit from him being able to start in week number one. So all is not lost. I just don't think it's going to be a highly productive season for him. Thus, I don't know if the results – they may win more than six games, you know, maybe seven games. Um, I don't know if they're going to get any more than that. The schedule, Graylin, is conducive to them at least, you know, being able to compete against the teams on their schedule. But I don't think they're going to have enough to to really surprise. But uh, Anthony Richardson will take his lumps, but it will be all for the good of the team and the long term at that position. So I think most people will, as an end result, be happy. As long as we have Jonathan Taylor, I think they'll win a little more. Well, you know, you might be right because, again, their schedule is not tough. Their schedule to most fans out there is boring, boring, Graylin. But, again, it is conducive to being able to compete against most teams on their schedule. So, right. with that in mind, you've got a fighting chance. There's no question. Right. Well, I thank you. Graylin, you call anytime. Thank you very much. That's an awesome call. Way to get that started. Yeah, I can't do politics on here. You guys like that? You guys really tune into a sports show and want to hear that crap? And I'll leave that to the experts. I mean, I know downstairs, like Tony, for example, downstairs knows what he's talking about. I don't know jack squat about it. I don't pretend to know jack squat about it. And I sure as hell don't want to bore you acting like I know jack squat about it. Yeah, that's why you turn on for three hours a day, turn on all this pissing and moaning for three more hours. Yeah, I went through an eight-hour work day. Things are tough, man. I want to decompress, hear a little sports. I'm going to turn it on, and this guy's talking about politics. Yeah, you guys, if I never did that, you guys need to just, you guys need to beat my ass for that. Well, I've never done it. Thank you, Graylin, for the call. Daryl is up next on Anything Goes. Hello, Daryl. How you doing, JMV? Great show as always. Brother, are you out and about tomorrow night? I'm always out and about on a Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Hey, have you been to the brand new Twin Peaks location? I have not been there yet. I haven't made my way down to Greenwood because of the construction down there, but it's it's on my hit list for the next couple of weeks. Well done. Well, you I, I enjoyed it. Like, we opened up that new location almost a month ago now. Not quite a month ago, but it was a good time down there. You'll enjoy it, Daryl. You had all the girls in from Texas showing you a good time. I I noticed that some were not from around the Johnson-Marion County vicinity. I noticed that. No, I had a chance to meet them when they were at the original Twin Peaks up on 82nd <laughs> Street. So I know I know what you're talking about. You got it, buddy. The reason the reason for my phone call, I, I know one thing. I, I'm not a big NBA enthusiast, but I did watch the draft last night. And, man, I've never slept so good in all my life after watching that thing. I mean, they need to step it up, brother. I'm I, telling you, wow. man. It was a brutality. It was, and there was, there was no, hey, Daryl, man, there was no way for you to go. And that's why I chose, I had to go pick Blake up, and I was listening to the ESPN radio broadcast of it. I stayed with it. I just said, you know what, this is better than the television broadcast, and I stayed with that. Well, what what was the reason that the, the Pacers drafted 
drafted uh, that guy at seven instead of the original guy. Um, because they got they got two uh, they got two second round future assets out of that. Um, uh, evidently, what they had said they had said that um, the, you know the, the dude from the dude that I think the dude that did he play on? I'm trying to think, did he play on the team of Wimbayama? And I think. They had mentioned that San Antonio, sorry, Daryl's gone. San Antonio had wanted to maybe move up and, and draft him to put him on the team with Mbayama. And because Washington wanted him, uh, Washington decided to part with a couple of second rounders in the future. And then ultimately the Pacers got what the Pacers wanted anyway. So that's kind of how that worked. You worked the room a little bit right there. If you're Kevin Pritchard, you work the room to get more assets. Hey, Daryl, tomorrow night, man, give me a call. JMV Takeover, B105.7, 6 o'clock, all request style. I think summer songs is what they're doing tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I do. We do vintage, right? We do a lot of vintage stuff, a lot of old school stuff. But uh, we'll work in some summer songs as well. Well, summer song, JMV Takeover. A little bit of that coming up tomorrow night. Rob is up next on Anything Goes. Hello, Rob. Hey, what's going on, JMV, man? Uh, local Wizards fan here. So I was a little upset because I wanted Jarrett Walker myself. Um, but after that trade last night, I was really hoping, wondering where the shooters were going to go. I know uh, a lot of people were after Hawkins here locally with all the yeah. picks. Wanted to uh, maybe package them together and move up. I thought maybe the kid from Kansas, Grady, was the best shooter in the draft. I was just wondering what you thought about Toronto's Zick Zick last night. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes for Rob right there. Um, I thought Toronto's dick pick was good for what they're trying to do. The thing that you don't know about Toronto right now, and I know Nick Nurse is out of there. They're they're starting new, and he thought they were going to go through a complete rebuild. But you know, you don't, you don't know if Siakam is going to be there or if he's going to get dealt. You don't know if OG Ananobi is going to be there if he's going to get dealt. You know that Van Van Viet, or Van Vliet, I think, opted out. Or opted not to, uh, he opted to become a free agent, I should say. So the Raptors dick pick uh, for a shooter that works in, um, you know, a rebirth of sorts to that organization, which it looks like that's where they're going, even if they haven't, besides the head coach, truly initiated that yet, probably will work out for them. Nah, the Pacers are great with Walker. That's who I wanted all along. That's who they selected. By the way, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard in studio, the two first-rounders by the Pacers early in the podcast, 1075thefan.com. It is Big Earn up next on Anything Goes. Hello, Big Earn. What's up, JMV? What's happening? Not much. Reds are on fire, buddy. How about that? Is that going to continue this weekend against the Braves? We'll see. They got tough ones. They got uh, Should I be worried in Baltimore? Now the world, even the Sleprock Nation that is Cincinnati is now firmly on board with the Reds. Could we should we be worried as Reds fans that maybe that is too much too soon and and maybe the boat the boat can't yeah. take the capacity of fans jumping back on this thing? Right. That's what I hate. You know, we we always stay true to the Reds, even though when they're not very good. And now, now people are jumping back on. They sold out tonight. Sell out tonight. So we'll yeah, sell out tonight and tomorrow, I believe. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All right, brother. Anyway, what'd you think about uh, Marty Smith and that and that <laughs> show they had going on on ESPN last night? Was that you know? Your- you know, here, here's what's funny, Bigger, and thank you very much. I like Marty Smith. Like Marty Smith has always been really good when he's in town to come on the show. 
Marty Smith was so good at race reporting, NASCAR reporting, and he's he's good at doing college football stuff. But I I, I guess again, whatever suits you at that moment, the whole clownish thing. Yeah. And again, me being old and crusty, maybe I don't get it. But it was it was almost like a circus clown type of thing. And I thought, now again, if you're getting paid by ESPN to be a part of that broadcast, and they say in a production meeting, hey, this is what you're going to do, and you like being employed there, then that's what you're going to do. But I just always thought that Marty was so much better on other things that he did reporting-wise. Yeah, I don't know if that would have been on on top of his list to, to really do. But man, who knows? Maybe he likes it. You know, maybe he likes doing that now. An interesting San Antonio fan reaction last night. James, great job today. A lot going on here in studio. The most people ever in this studio, 20-plus. Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, number eight overall, number 26 overall, the first rounders of the Pacers in studio. And I've got to give a shout-out to Mike and Chrissy and everybody with the Pacers for bringing them by today. I truly appreciate that. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Mike Wells, Dustin DePurek, also earlier. A Jamby takeover tomorrow night. Six until midnight. All requests, Saturday night party. Do not miss it. It's what we do, especially in the summertime. Tomorrow night, six until midnight. Jamby takeover, B105.7. Go Red Legs. The last word straight at you next. Have a great weekend. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.